0: Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Cree and Scroll of all ages, welcome to MCU Beyond Infinity, a weekly podcast where three friends have assembled to discuss the most recent installments and in all things related to the Marvel Cinematic Universe. My name is John, and joining me as your tour guides through this multiverse of madness are Kira and Travis.
1: Welcome, welcome. Before I get started, I just have to say happy birthday to our number one fan, John's mom. Happy birthday, Mary Sandstone! Happy birthday. You are a saint. She she,
0: she truly is a saint. She truly is our number one fan. Uh, The music was playing again. Sorry about that. Uh,
1: Yeah, we had our first... uh...
0: First technical difficulty of the night, but we are recording. Um, Yeah, happy birthday to my mom. She truly is our number one fan. She's always been my number one fan. She's a huge advocate of me screaming into a microphone once a week about comic book movies with you guys. Um, and she has no problem with it. She loves it so much. So, So thank you. Kira, for the happy birthday, happy birthday to you, happy birthday to me, happy birthday to Mary Sansone, and happy birthday to our guest of the week, uh, Chance, still. Chance. So, yes, thank you.
1: So, MCU Beyond Infinity podcast, uh, this week, as John just mentioned, uh, John, one of my co-hosts, Travis as well, I'm Kira, this week we're having our first guest on, Chance, who uh, is one of the, Chance, what's your last name, If unless you don't cool. want to say it?
2: No, Chance it's Cook. Chance Cook. And
1: what's your social security number? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Six seven five
2: three oh nine. You're old enough to know that reference.
1: Oh, I'm the oldest one here. I think wait, when were you born, Chance? Eighty-nine. Oh fuck yeah. Oh, man, yeah, yeah, you're the oldest one here. Yeah, what else is new?
0: Uh, this is a good week to have our first guest though, because this is one of the odd weeks out um for yeah, the inevitable yeah. future where we are not receiving brand new MCU content. So Using the opportunity um, to discuss the past, you know, the the best way forward is uh, to go back, uh, as uh, Agatha let us know a couple of weeks back, um, and eventually recap um, the previous phases, much like we'd done in our first episode with Phase 1. We'll do it with Phase 2, um, and I'm really excited because I think Phase 2 is kind of... Um, unfairly marginalized as one of the weaker points of the MTU. I absolutely disagree with it. Um, But Chance, you've always been... Like, we've been talking daily on the internet for the better part of a decade, much like I have with uh, Travis and Kira. And and you have been the go-to Marvel guy for a long period of that time. Um, What got you... (laughs) What got you so... In, like, were you a comic book guy before this? Were were like, were you just a superhero or an action movie fan guy? Like, what got you to this point where you've become like, like I said, like I love the Marvel Cinematic Universe, but but you really are the one I always go to for that discussion, for that news, for those rumors, for for all of that.
2: Uh, I appreciate that. Uh, to be honest, no, you I was
1: Mouth or what?
2: <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, not today. I'm just but. Just... Uh, no, to be honest, I was not a uh, comic book reader growing up. What actually got me into uh marvel were the uh reference material guides like the uh, what you might think of in Star Wars as like a visual dictionaries and stuff like that and just I would create my own stories in my head with the characters in the visual dictionaries and the reference material and then later later on, I got into the comics kind of after. The movies, like after the first Blade movie and the first X Men, and kind of the pre MCU Marvel stuff, and then uh, I mean, when the MCU came along, that that really blew everything apart in terms of how how deep the nerddom can go.
1: You would say that, like, you were more of you gravitated more of like the comic book movie area not the actual source material i mean besides what you just went on about
2: right um, absolutely i was not a comic book story reader i had the, a similar
1: um, yeah that's a very yeah, I, like some,
2: some of the major arcs like uh, jim starlin's infinity gauntlet stuff like that i did i did get into a little bit but it not until probably i was out of high school did i really start getting into comic books themselves
0: you got laid first, and then you got into comic books, as opposed to me just being into comic books, never getting laid, and eventually fucking.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, today, it, it's kind of hip and cool, I guess, to be a comic book nerd, but 20 no years idea. ago, much less so.
0: I mean, I find a lot of people, you know, we're all kind of um, in the same age group, um, you know, children of the, uh, of you know, born in the 80s, these kind of like latter uh, millennials. And I find a lot of us, even before we were invested in, in like actually reading comic books and the material itself, whether it be the, uh, the visual dictionaries and, and the Marvel Guide to Characters, or you're talking about, Chance, or specifically the trading cards were a huge fucking deal. We're um,
3: just talking
1: about that, right? Yeah, we were. Yeah, we were just talking about
3: them. Huge for me, and what you said about the the handbooks and stuff like that. Yeah. Like growing up, I didn't have a, a ton of uh, comic books, to, uh, funds, rather. So yeah, I'd often go for like the official handbook of the Marvel Universe or the Who's Who of the DC Universe. We were um,
1: we were talking mm-hmm. offline in our private group
3: chat. Yeah. So
1: I, how I got into comics besides like. The actual comics and the cartoons and liking the movie, the older movies like uh, the Superman, Richard Donner's Superman movie is I, I love to draw. So I would collect those cards and uh, and I, I wouldn't trace, but I like to copy by, you know, just looking and um, that kind of like got my obsession with the characters, much like how Chance you would say, like you had those handbooks and created your own stories. Like I didn't necessarily read all those runs. In fact, a lot of the runs I learned about was from collecting the whole set of the cards and reading the backs of them and stuff like that. And uh, Mm -hmm. yeah, so everyone kind of like has their own unique sort of like way that comics have brought us into the MCU. And that's, that's, that's great. I love it.
2: Absolutely. I feel like in a lot of ways, comic books themselves have been become less of a driver of interest in comic book stories and that's really interesting obviously the mcu has a huge subset of fans that only watch the mcu Mm
4: -hmm. but
2: all these stories about how we got into comic book material not being really related to comics themselves is pretty unique i think it's not something you get in other forms of entertainment because not many things are so cross-platform
0: yeah absolutely um with uh Almost like wrestling and, and sports as well. Um, you know, another topic that we were talking about offline was was hockey and, and like basketball and stuff like that, which yeah. you know, I'm I'm really into as well. But one of the things that got me into hockey and basketball and wrestling so much when I was a kid was, you know, NHL ninety four or or the old WrestleMania games or or NBA GM. You know, I I know exactly where you're coming from. Last week, Travis brought up the old um, Captain America oh, and the Avengers. And the Avengers. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. The Arcade, side side genesis. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, but, uh, but people who like you and I, Travis, who who grew up playing a shitload of that game, um, you know, we were Vision fans because of that game, and that's what we how we knew Vision. You know, for, yeah, yeah. for the better part of our our childhood. It's. It is an interesting thing that you really don't get with um, with other kinds of media that are so cross-platform
1: in all these different mediums, really. And I think, like, I mean, again, anything that's going to be a- adapted from, like, a geekdom, Star Wars, Lord of the Rings, stuff like that, um, has a similar thing where... The, the anticipation and the pre-production aspect and how much the fans dig into that stuff. Like, obviously, you were just saying how Chance was sort of your number one guy for that sort of... Stuff. I was the same way. I was always... Uh, uh, Screen Rant was probably my first and always... Uh, they're not, like, what they used to be. But um since it's a pool of so many, uh, like, comic book news and all those other sites, um, that's what's so cool about, like, being a comic book movie fan and those other types of genre fans is the... uh the lifestyle it is and like looking, looking into that and researching that stuff and being the person among your friend group who can tell you what's coming out and when that next trailer hits and all that good stuff.
2: Definitely. It's, it's a little bit of a
1: power trip
2: when everyone comes to you <laughs> for information.
1: Exactly. And what's, you know, it's funny. We talked about like, um, you know, how it's now kind of cool to be a comic book fan and uh back then we were nerds like i kind of like am part of like my own sociological experiment because i was like a, a boy comic book nerd and it's one of my like what happens to me now when i go to screen rant is i'm written off as just like some dumb blonde girl when i try to talk and i i'm not to pat myself in the back but i know what the fuck i'm talking about and oftentimes it's just like yeah 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 okay and like i'm fansplain to i'll never use that other term again <laughs> but um but you know fanboys be fanboys
2: yeah that's the the bad part of our culture it's it's very uh male driven kind of toxically i've never touched a woman type mentality
1: <laughs> well i mean god i mean you were, i think you were at least witnessing that whole crap with with what i got myself into but yeah when i said mansplaining in that comment section i mean like my personal facebook page was attacked relentlessly by this one dude yeah. like it was a fucking nightmare and it's just like whoa man <laughs> like <laughs> well like kind of kind of on that topic right we had this
0: idea chance and we hate to put the uh the interrogation spotlight on you okay. um, we haven't panned out the details but we did want to put the interrogation spotlight on you a little bit and ask you some hard-hitting questions because that's what we do here. At and the, that's uh, what MCU. happens when
1: you keep us waiting, you
0: uh...
1: <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. prima donna. <laughs>
0: here at the MCU Beyond Affinity podcast, we like to ask the hard-hitting questions. So okay. I lined up a couple, and before we get into the discussion, um, going on to the topic of how <laughs> – these kind of man babies hold these things so precious um, especially these old arcs that they might not have read when they came out or might not have known about until later on in their lives um i as a guy who has read comic books every wednesday since he was about five um no i hate to sound like a fucking dick but i probably know a lot more about these things than a lot of these assholes in the comment sections themselves I want to ask, how do you feel about the MCU kind of killing um, these comic book darlings um, in a way um, and adapting the source material so loosely? Um, You know, they they play fast and loose with how they adapt it. Civil War is not a direct adaptation of Civil War. Winter Soldier is not a direct adaptation of Winter Soldier Ragnarok is very very far and i know that's the one that got people really angry i i see grown men on jack Kirby uh reddits that i'm a part of um <laughs> really hating on those thor movies and like, at least those to-
1: are those are probably authentic my mine that i hate is like what we've talked about many times before is that people that are reading the wikipedia page before the movie comes out and getting pissed about the mandarin being plain. Being a joke. That's what right? I mean.
0: Like, like, how do you feel? Because I personally feel like the MCU is doing a really good job at establishing their own stories um, that are kind of like lovingly acknowledging what's come before them and the source material themselves, but people really hold these fucking things. Again, the I, aspect of killing your darlings. Um, is that something that you take offense to, or you kind of advocate or how do you steer the, the very sensitive waters of these people?
2: Yeah. You know, uh, to speak directly about the MCU itself, one of the things that I appreciate the most about it is that they've been able to correctly, in my view, adapt comics into a different medium. Because if you take comic books directly from the source and try to put it into films and TV, it doesn't work because the uh, subset of how a comic runs and the way a story can be told doesn't translate well. When it comes to the reaction of what you would call like a hardcore comic nerd, it's kind of sad That they are so used to change and weird, unexpected things on print. But if it happens to one of their favorite stories, they lose their shit. Like, comics aren't redacted, retconned, and changed every ten years anyway.
0: I think there's a weird um, inclusivity thing to that, too, where like now everyone knows this story and it's not just you. So you don't feel as special. So they want to like kind of be a little bit louder about how special they were to begin with. Does that make sense?
2: Yeah. And I've seen it plenty of times. Oh, I was here before it became big. I was here before there were films. I'm special. I know this more than you do. And I'm like, well, that's fine, but this is now and not then. And you have to adapt or you can just become a nuisance to everybody. And uh, (laughs) that's unfortunately what a lot of them do if they're so entrenched into that side of it that they can't adapt.
0: But they're still throwing up their 15 bucks for the movie theater tickets.
3: Oh, hell yeah.
2: Yeah, you can't bitch (laughs) about something you haven't seen eight times.
0: Yeah,
3: absolutely, yeah. I, I really like the, the way that they've adapted uh, certain runs and added a different spin to it. Uh, like I like mentioned, Winter Soldier in the movie is not the same as it was in the comic. And as fantastic as Ed Brubaker's run on Captain America was, I kind of prefer the movie version uh, a little bit as far as just that one particular arc. Uh, like, uh, there's no Cosmic Cube just restoring. Uh, Winter Soldier's memories or whatever the fuck, uh, it's more natural, I, think. I I, agree. That, and, like, with the older runs, some of that stuff is pretty dated, like, the dialogue and, and just flat out, like, Thanos, uh, is not a character that if he was adapted straight from the page, I don't think it would have been as satisfying, because he just, just a guy that likes death. It's, Do
1: you think that what they came up with for him, uh, I mean, work, even though, like, when I mean, you really boil his plan down. It kind of, like, has a lot of holes uh, to poke into it, but... And that's why
3: he's called the Mad Titan. Right, <laughs> but
1: I mean, like, he also became... <laughs> so, like, Phase huh? 3 had our most uh, villains that were sympathetic, and Thanos was definitely one of them, so...
0: Uh, if you think Thanos is sympathetic for committing genocide, you're a fucking monster. So.
3: I meant... he <laughs> had a <laughs> point. Like, you know, overpopulation is a real issue. And, yeah, overpopulation like, is, is a real issue.
0: People. You have all the power of the fucking universe. Make double know, of everything. Yeah, that's not what I'm saying. I, every single one of them are <coughs> villains.
1: I'm saying that, like, they, they made it an attempt and I think succeeded in a lot of the ways, at least, that the prior phases hadn't, by making him... Go, you going well I can I can see where if you were that fucking crazy where you're coming from like you know what yeah. I mean? It's, where... e- it's
2: easy and simple to make a villain that only wants power. It's more fulfilling to make a villain that wants change. And his way of going about it is horrible. but I mean you can understand, oh, I see the logic here even if the way to get to what he wants is insanity and it and can't we, be allowed to happen. We had
1: that in well, let's think of I know we're not talking phase 3 but like so you had Zemo who Correct. had his his reasons uh after civil war with, Well, not Malekith fuck him. I mean <laughs> uh then I mean, there was Ma- Malik- and the darkness there were dark elves. So. Malekith yeah. and ego definitely were kind of like, you know, ego is just what we talked about like <laughs> not very sympathetic but uh and he was
0: hot dude and he was hot he so. was
1: awesome but uh yeah. vulture um thanos and uh the biggest one that so many people seem to love is uh black panther um killmonger killmonger uh yeah. they find him usually the most sympathetic um so yeah like we're going off on a tangent but no, it's exactly where I wanted to go.
2: <laughs> a lot of people really love the Killmonger reasoning. I find him less sympathetic than a lot of people do. Agreed. But that's just a personal uh, opinion for me, and maybe I'm not the best person to speak on his reasonings.
0: Yeah, but, a, but lot of, a lot of where I align myself politically falls more in line with Killmonger in the sense that I don't think we should... I think that the world is bigger than just one nation and just one person and one culture. And I think the idea of unifying um, like the the like the world basically and not closing yourself off and not I I, I live without borders basically. I, in an ideal society I would live without borders. There should be no just one nation or one people. Um, We should all have our own culture and be very, very proud of that, but we shouldn't close ourselves off to things. So in a lot of ways, I kind of align myself a little bit more politically with Killmonger um, as opposed to uh, T'Challa in a sense. So I I get it. Like I get that argument.
3: Well, by the end of the film, he's uh – Chichala has kind of taken on the right portion of his argument. Uh, right. He is opening up Wakanda to the rest of the world to help out the way. Uh, like, Chillmonger was right in a way, but his motive, well, his. Uh, his execution of his goals was wrong. And he was Uh, very
1: ruthless. Uh, Yeah,
3: yeah. Like, people seem to ignore that he just murdered his girlfriend at the drop of a hat. And and then, like,
1: uh, burning the herbs and all that. And, like, a lot of people say, like, well, he did actually get into becoming king fair and square it was his birthright to do the challenge and he did it. he did it right and all that but then when you find out he hadn't and t'challa had still was still alive he's like nah fuck all that shit like i'm not doing that uh stuff so then he basically started twirl- twirling his mustache so
3: are we ready for the next question huh? yeah yeah lay it on him. that's
0: what we do here at mcu beyond infinity the hard-hitting questions travis what do you got for chance
3: This one's, I may have thought of it especially for you because I know you were always so positive. Uh, Like taking me to to task over not liking WandaVision's documentary series as much as uh, The Mandalorians.
2: I don't think my one comment was taking me to task, but okay.
3: (laughs) Okay, fair enough. But what is your least favorite aspect of the MCU? Like, what is its biggest flaw for you personally?
2: Oh, man. That's difficult. That's my kind of
3: question. What I'll
2: say, uh, preface that with, is to date, there hasn't been an MCU film that I disliked, mm-hmm. but as a generality, oh, man. I would say re- everything I say is a word. All words okay. are words.
1: True, 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 true. <laughs> And you're put on the spot. I would like say I, that my – uh, mm-hmm.
2: yeah, yeah. I would say my biggest issue with the MCU so far – has been maybe the fact that a lot of the thematic elements and the visual elements are so similar that it makes it feel not too connected, but it's like there's no differentiation. Like, everyone can say, oh, Black Panther was this kind of special, Endgame was this kind of special, and, you know, everything was so different and Doctor Strange. Look how wacky that was. But it's really very, very, very similar to the point that it's almost... Uh, Malaise in the way it operates.
1: In a way, I think they walk that tightrope well in terms of being able to do. Well, those they do. Different, I
2: mean, I, you could I'm, I'm agreeing with you, like totally. 10 like years I, ago, that this would work the way it does. But at some point, I mean, you've got 24, 23 films now, 24 properties. In five years, you're going to have 60 properties, and are you going to say? well, this is all great, but it's all so similar, I'm getting bored.
1: Well, WandaVision might have at least been able to address that a little bit. I think they're straying from the
0: the villain of the week kind of format, where Iron Man is fighting Iron Man in a different color, um, and... Uh, <laughs> And, and Ant-Man is fighting yellow Ant-Man and, and Hulk is fighting Brown Hulk.
1: I mean, and shit, uh, Ant-Man was just Iron Man one all over again, wasn't it? I mean, well, it's, it's, it yeah. it,
0: I, yeah. Yeah. that was, that's part of the repetitive nature of comic books and comic book mm-hmm. adversaries, especially. Um, I think in the first episode I spoke about a little bit, some of that had to, has to do with the fact that these publishers were on these deadlines and needed to come up with villains and stories so quick. And sometimes they just, And they'd run out of um, money to actually print the amount of colors that they wanted. So they would just kind of, like, make another Iron Man but paint him a different color. And it was kind of easier for the artists to, like, get these things done a little bit faster. So that's where a lot of these villains and these these outfits came from. But I, I agree with you in terms of especially
1: the origin films. That's I have so, I have answers had... for the question too. So go on, John. Keep going. Like I, no, I'm... they kind
0: of had the same. They kind of had the same paths. Yeah. Um The origins, like Solo solo
1: this... origin movies. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Yeah, I mean, and that's it's part of the Joseph from the hero's
3: journey. Uh, it's thank you, Travis. The exactly. of it, yeah. And that, that was going to be a bit of it. Huh?
1: That was kind of like they they looked like they kind of corrected it a little bit. Uh, I think Ant Man felt fresher, even though it was kind of a carbon copy of Iron Man. But like you know, it was it was a new subgenre to the MCU. It was a heist movie. It was a comedy movie. It was a buddy movie. Buddy um,
3: shrinking movie. Oh, yeah.
1: But, like, I think why <laughs> Captain Marvel, and to a lesser extent, Doctor Strange, but Captain Marvel gets a lot of flack because they felt like that it was another carbon copy origin film, and, and they kind of tried to shake it up by placing it into the 90s. Um, Plus,
3: breed and Hates
1: Men. And that was... Uh, there's, you know, we're not going to get began. into I'm that, so but.
0: happy that Chance didn't say the woke agenda was what he didn't like I was like oh please don't say it I'd have to stop the recording (laughs) Well,
2: oh no I'm I'm perfectly fine with all that I don't understand Mm -hmm. I understand the hate against it because of the culture it comes from Mm -hmm. but I don't see it as an agenda like having people who aren't white male and straight isn't going to kill you there are different people in the world you're going to be fine
1: What do you think about? I thought maybe like because there are several things that could be addressed with that question. And obviously, you're put on the spot, but like I know a common complaint among fans, or at least jaded fans, or the comedy that the MCU relies on so heavily. Um, it's welcome for me for the most part, as long as it's not too. Um, yeah, jarring. I enjoyed
2: the comedy. I mean, yeah. anyone who's spoken to me for any extended period of time knows that I interject a lot of humor in my daily vernacular in my conversations. And I don't know many people who don't. So this weird kind of, I'm not going to be too DCEU knock heavy, but this Snyder cult mentality that you have to frown when you talk about bad shit (laughs) is, uh, it's a little weird to me. Like that's not how the world works in my view.
0: It's also not what we go to escapism for. <laughs>
1: I guess yeah. as long as it's not like a character that it's so complete, like when it's not completely out of character. Um, I'm trying to think of an example, oh, yeah.
2: like, if, like um,
0: Superman.
1: <laughs> no, for the MCU specifically, where it was completely yeah, like if Anthony Hopkins for...
2: started acting like Anthony Mackie, that'd be a little weird. But if Anthony Mackie wants to be Anthony Mackie, he can do what he he can act the way he wants.
1: Well, you know, uh, he got an opportunity a little bit to have some fun when it was basically Anthony Hopkins was playing Loki playing, uh, Odin, which is pretty cool. That was, that was, that was fun. That was fun. Um, I don't know. I feel like (laughs) I, yeah. Oh shit. I feel like, uh, they took Rhodey and kind of made him a real slapstick sidekick, uh, Especially towards the end towards phase three. I think he was cracking the most jokes out of anybody else in end game.
2: Yeah, I heard I heard some uh, some knocks against him making jokes at Thor's expense in Yeah, I've
1: heard that too. And, but I mean uh, I
2: didn't I didn't mind it. It wasn't something I gave much pause to because that's like a thing a friend could do to you. You know?
1: Yeah, and but, Screen, Rant, Screen Rant had an article where they tried to even like add more uh validation to that. Was that Tony was consciously not going after his weight because of Tony's experience also with past trauma, simply because he had referred to him as Lebowski because of the clothing he was wearing and not his weight. And uh, everyone else was sort of making fun of his his depression in separate scenes, and Tony never was. And it's like, ah, I think you guys are pulling, pulling at straws. But um, we're, again, going off on a tangent, but... <laughs> And going into phase three, and we need to save some of that. So. Damn phase three. Yeah, that's going to have to be two episodes, I
0: think. We're going to have to break it up. I When we're going into phase two, the comic books had 70 years or so of material to base its sources off of, basically. Um, with phase two, it started to feel really exciting for me personally going into it in in 2012 or 2013 after Avengers because we started to feel like we had almost history with these characters in the cinematic universe alone. We've seen them in their solo movies. We've seen them team up. We now know the blueprint. Like the blueprint had been formed and and this was the most all-in for Marvel that I might ever be you know i love the marvel movies i love that we're getting all these characters and we're getting the eternals and it's getting weirder and weirder and we're branching out but at that point in time after coming off of the avengers and all of those solo movies and knowing what marvel was capable of that was the most like all hands on deck that i had been at any point in time and probably will ever be for marvel like it felt like i had some years of history behind it i'd been watching these movies for four or five years already and i I was just so fucking game you know does that make sense
2: yeah you were as hyped as you could be based on what you had just seen which was the avengers
0: yeah which was the avengers and and in the previous phase one episode chance i was actually telling everybody i was i like went into the avengers ready to hate it I went in, I went into the Avengers ready to hate it I didn't think that they were gonna pull it off I was in a horrible mood and in the middle of the movie there was a group of little kids behind me and I was standing up and giving them high fives in the movie theater I was so hyped and um, <laughs> yeah I was just I was just so ready and knowing that we were going to get the beginnings um, I think it was the 2013 uh, San Diego comic-con. Um, where Feige came out and did his um and and did the uh, these and then you know unveiled the phase basically. And he said Guardians of the Galaxy and everyone was just like, What the fuck? And then they brought out James Gunn and they're like, It's a Troma guy mm-hmm. doing and you know they they said they, they cast the cast of characters and it was Rocket Raccoon and uh and they announced uh, Ultron, you know, as the big one. Um, that, that was like a, that was a serious bomb that, that had people like really scratching their heads, um, with like, how are they going to pull this kind of stuff off? You know, they felt like they were pulling strings at that point. And and look at where we
1: are now. Now, you know, we have all this blind faith. Marvel, Marvel wanted to, uh, to go straight to Thanos in phase two. It was Whedon that said, no, uh, we're going to do Ultron and because he wanted to bring it back down to earth. And sort of like even make it more personal compared to the previous Avengers movie, which I think was a good idea. I mean, like I, I'm going to be you're going to hear me as an uh, Age of Ultron apologist because that movie does get so much shit. And I, I love it. Like each Avengers movie has a different flavor. And uh, I love it just much in different ways than the others.
2: Oh. Yeah, definitely. I've, I've uh, gained newfound appreciation for Age of Ultron in the last mm, two years or so. I used to hate that movie. First time I saw it in theaters, I fucking hated it.
1: Really? And, yeah, I did. It's tough to the gills, and it's you know there's a lot going on. In it there was a lot of, there was a lot of spinning plates for him to to control, and he had to make sacrifices. And it and it obviously broke Joss Whedon, at least as far as Marvel was concerned. Yeah, um, but I didn't hate it. I think I was pretty drunk though when I when I saw it. So I was gonna. <laughs> yeah,
2: it just to me, Age of Ultron just had no magic. The, the night I saw it, Thursday night at midnight at Santico Silverado, just outside of Houston, big-ass movie theater with 400 other people. And other than the scene where uh, vision lifts the hammer, I don't think I smiled one time.
1: Oh, no wow. shit. Wow. You were just in a shitty mood then, huh? It was it late? Yeah, it
2: was just a, like, and that was my fault. That was back before I became more like open-minded about things. And I was like, this isn't what I expected. This is not as good as the first. I was expecting something better than the original. Than, you, know, the you weren't Avengers alone
1: there. You weren't alone. Like it was in most fans' eyes, or at least casual fans, and I think even among the more hardcore MCU fans, definitely thought it was a step back from the first Avengers movie.
2: Oh yeah, and I still think that. But now I, I definitely now I'm way more open to just you know whatever, whatever they want to do, give it a shot. Let's see what
0: happens. Well, before we get to the disappointment. That was Age of <laughs> Yeah, Ultron.
2: we're kind of jumping. Yeah,
1: <laughs> good point. Before John. we get there, let's get to the first
0: uh, disappointment.
2: John has that had fanboy
1: had is. a stain growing bigger and bigger in his fucking pants since this podcast episode started to talk about this movie. <laughs> I did. I've been waiting to talk about Iron Man
0: three because um, I am in the small <laughs> camp of people where this is my favorite Marvel movie,
2: which I find unbelievable. I don't yeah. know anybody
0: <laughs> oh, other than
2: you who has Iron Man three that high up
0: yeah i i don't understand that and every time i re-watch it i don't understand how it's not as widely considered in the upper echelon of marvel um it has the sharpest script um mostly due to shane black um it has the best of Shane Black's tropes, all. Then maybe it's because I'm such a Shane Black fan, and and because of like our very specific age group of, um, you know, growing up on on 80s and 90s action films, and just being so accustomed to to that kind of writing. Um, maybe that's why I hold it in such high regards. I I don't understand the the complaints that I hear often, where there's not enough Iron Man in it. Um, there's a little literal fucking army of Iron Man at the end of it. Um, it's, it's source material goes back to uh, one of the only memorable Invincible Iron Man runs that ever was written. Like I could think of two memorable fucking Iron Man comics ever. And it's fucking Extremis by Warren Ellis and, and Demon in a Bottle. Um, it, yeah i i like i don't get the hate i think it's i think it's directed perfectly i think Shane black and Robert downey play to each other's strengths um in terms of a filmmaker and a uh and a actor um i i think the supporting cast all shows up i think it's got a compelling villain i get the fucking mandarin hate
1: but then again i don't that you know uh, uh, that that's the thing like so that was obviously the thing that was the biggest complaint or at least the most vocal complaint for that one and why, you know, it changed so many people's minds. Like people say that the sale, the wind just went right out of their sails for the rest of the movie because of that. Like, I remember seeing it and was definitely surprised by it, but I was like, this is kind of fucking funny. <laughs> like, you know, I dug it and i dug Ben Kingsley's performance as Trevor. Like I thought it was fucking hilarious and I did not have a problem, problem with it. It did not take me out of the movie
2: yeah i never I never had issues with the film It's just it as Travis probably knows better than anybody I'm big on the cosmic side and less the human side of uh Marvel lore and Marvel movies and whatnot and that movie feels more human than probably any other even a Captain America First Avengers to me because it's it's the most um What's the term I'm looking for?
0: Character-driven?
2: Yeah, it's 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 the most Tony Stark-ish movie. Like, it's so meta for him, I guess. Hmm. And I'm like... Tell me
0: why it's perfect. Keep, keep going on why it's a perfect <laughs> film.
2: <laughs> well, see, this is why it's, it's perfect for someone like you, who loves that and also loves Shane Black's method and style and the mm-hmm. MCU. But for yeah. me, it's the opposite. And I can appreciate it for what it is, just like I appreciate the first Avenger and, uh, you know, Iron Man, the original Iron Man to an extent. It's a better movie, but I appreciate that for what it is. But I almost never go back and reference them, even though I understand that they're good. And uh, the Trevor uh, Slattery thing is, um, it's funny, but I had no connection to the Mandarin anyway, so I
1: wasn't up in arms about it. And thank you for admitting that because so many people put up that front that they literally, yeah, I mean, their past was just butt raped by the
0: MCU. And Kevin. <laughs> well, it was something that, like, it upset Travis about, right? Like, That's like,
1: yeah, like, yeah, yeah, opportunities to get Travis to put in his two cents about this because I want to hear
3: yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I don't have, like, a great bonus for The Mandarin, but it's Iron Man's main villain. And with villains, I prefer that they not be a joke. Uh, like with Age of Ultron, we'll get into it later. But like the humor from Ultron put me off of it uh, the first time I watched it. It's grown on me. But with Iron Man three, uh, thinking that this is going to be our only chance to get a proper Mandarin, because I, I didn't foresee them ever you did taking you a didn't second crack at it.
1: Chance. What about after that
3: one shot? Oh, uh that gave me a little bit of hope. The uh the uh, uh, apology one shot basically, <laughs> yeah. for the people. Uh exactly. yeah. That also um uh, the one shot uh made it clear that Marvel actually listens to the their fan community somewhat, which is always nice. Uh uh But yeah, yeah, and like the twist wouldn't have been so bad if I would have liked uh the replacement villain a bit more. Like uh, Guy Pierce is a, a perfectly fine actor but that character didn't do a whole lot for me and like the uh the design of like the uh the bad dragon tattoos and stuff like that. <laughs> uh, I mean I, I rewatched it. This is the only one that I rewatched for this episode and like I didn't realize that it's like Fin Fang Foom. Honestly. Yeah,
1: that's what they do with those Iron Man villains is they throw like they pepper in like three or four I would yeah, have much rather
0: yeah. have
1: a racial character
0: chair than a bad tattoo. I, I agree.
3: <laughs> <laughs> oh, but it come, I obviously brought it up, so I'll go ahead and point out that it's uh, somewhat ableist. The, uh... yeah, I, I heard
1: with the deepfake technology that's going on right now, they're just mm-hmm. using that other actor that's the new Mandarin as a stand-in. It's actually going to be <laughs> Mickey Rooney uh, is going to be placed over his face for the uh, the part of the Mandarin. I'm
3: curious on this ableist take.
1: Oh, um, yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: It's it's not something I, I actually put too much stock into, but uh, typically in movies, uh, deformity is often uh, a sign of villainy. Uh, like, even if a facial scar or, or any of that. And this does a little bit of that. And, uh, and Tony Stark is just a complete cunt at the beginning of the film. And uh, it's uh, a character that we love. So, like, his behavior, even though it's in the past, so... Then and then they beat up a lot of like amputee veterans in this movie. They do. Um, uh, I,
0: I, kind of a little mix of that where the the ableism at the beginning. The when you when you brought it up, that whole you know this sad sack fucking guy, you know, <laughs> crying at the New Year's party. How it starts.
1: Um, and and well, Tony's he's so pathetic to that, too. Besides yeah. just being
3: disabled, it's more. <laughs> It's uh, a caricature. Yeah, it's,
1: you know what? I never thought about all that, Travis. I'm glad you brought all that up. Cause now yeah, yeah, like I'm I said, honest. it doesn't
3: offend me, like as a disabled person or anything, but stuff like that is something I take notice of sometimes. Uh, it's, like I said, it it is what it is. It was a different time. I mean, it's no worse than, like, the. Uh, the evil foreigner stuff in the early Iron and Man, and that
1: that's a that's <laughs> a trope that, uh, that's been a, that's a trope that's pointed out though. Of the, uh, I mean, like, yeah, he was straight up disabled. He had a cane. He had uh, whatever it was no, uh, he's a hunchback even. Like yeah, well, had... <laughs> like you know, the uh, the the nerd to like the hot villain sort of. which done a lot in the old Warner <laughs> brother <laughs> DC movies, um, the Batman movies, the Joel Schumacher Batman movies, and even in the Burton Batman movies. Um, that that transformation yeah that that but it's also the transformation
0: of Tony Stark's character again, back to what Mm -hmm. Chance was kind of saying I could see how if when you're going into Marvel movies especially where we are now um where everything we're looking for the larger implications of where these things are going to bring us what's the next thing down the docket 10 years from now, where's Monica Rambeau going to be in seven years kind of stuff. If that's like, (laughs) if that's what you're like, you're, if that's your bread and butter, um, Iron Man three would definitely fall down, you know, to a lower tier Marvel movie. Um, I am more of a movie guy before a franchise guy. And I'd rather see the individual movie, or the individual franchise itself like the thor franchise within a franchise basically which is one of the cool things about marvel is that we get these franchises within a franchise and it really wraps up tony's arc so well where he comes full circle um
3: well like the ending of the movie feels like the end of iron man's story just about with him destroying the armors and everything it it's kind of odd in that way. It's very final. I think that's
2: another reason why I have a problem with the movie is the way the movie ends. Is it's like he's done, and then it's like it's oh, he forgot about it. The next film. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, here's this one line reference to it. I'm going to come back to in six years. <laughs> Other than that, that didn't well, happen at all. Um,
1: I think, and I think we've talked about this in a past podcast is that they were preparing to possibly write Downey out, right?
3: Yeah, I think that's a possibility. Uh, uh, early MCU obviously had some behind the scenes issues that uh, didn't make it completely into the movie sometimes. But like even this one, it's uh, like Maya Hansen, the uh, female uh, sport character, was originally going to be the villain, but uh, some of the higher ups put the kibosh on that. Uh, and, uh, yeah, played by the
0: wonderful Rebecca Hall, by yeah, the
1: way. And isn't She's- she? Isn't her character? Uh, uh, a male in the comics she's she's all part of that my hansen and adrian
0: killian are are right out of that warren ellis um extremists extremists however the movie wanted to pronounce it and i I never knew how to pronounce it when it came out um comic arc and and again the iron man doesn't as much as he's kind of like this old staple of marvel comics he was kind of always just old shellhead to me he was always just kind of a background character um, and that was a comic book that really brought Iron Man to the forefront of um, of Marvel Comics for a little while that was like the number one selling Marvel book for for a little while when when those six or 12 issues came out and um, it's one of the only memorable Iron Man runs that I could remember so when the first John Favreau movie was adapting a lot of the revamping of the origin. That was the most exciting stuff in that movie, kinda to me, other, you know, just from like a comic book guy standpoint. Um, so to hear like, yeah, we're gonna do extremists, I you know, I, I was fucking stoked. And and aside from the Mandarin, the thing that bummed me out the most, actually, um, in terms of using a disposable villain and feeling like they're never going to get back to it, honestly, with Iron Man 3, is AIM.
3: Um, oh, absolutely. I have to think that we're going to see them again at some point, especially with uh, some of the concept art they've done, like for Ant-Man and Wasp, where uh, they have drawings of like aim and full beekeeper suits that were they not the sweet. main villain
1: in wandavision did i miss something <laughs> well
3: there was a beekeeper no <laughs> oh, yeah yeah we have yet to we'll, we'll see how that guy uh, moves forward uh <laughs> We got, that,
0: uh, we got that Modok show coming too. So oh maybe.
3: yeah, yeah, the one that's only to get canceled after the third season. Yeah, but that, it
0: looks good. It looks like something yeah, that it doesn't, like doesn't look bad. It you doesn't. were to watch. Uh,
3: <laughs> yeah, uh, this movie is also kind of unique in that it's pretty much the only MCU movie to have an alternate cut, uh, with the, the Chinese version having uh, different scenes. It was the
0: first Marvel movie to be released in China, by the way.
3: Oh, I, I didn't realize that. Uh,
0: It was also the first Marvel movie not to have the Paramount logo and fanfare in the beginning, and it just said Disney Marvel Studios. Interesting. Are you guys aware of the Chinese cut of Iron Man 3 that Travis... I'm
3: sorry to cut you off, but... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've watched the the clips on YouTube. It's nothing special. It's like a lot of product placement. There's Mm -hmm. like a, a milk company, I guess, that... Had, uh, like... It was, like, William Shatter recall... doing Kit Kat commercials in the middle of it or well, something? Well, it starts with, like, an energy drink ad. Like, this is the drink that Tony Stark likes or whatever the fuck. And it's from this company that was trying to recover, uh, restore their PR after they had, uh, had to recall a, uh, like, baby formula because of the mercury content, which is pretty <laughs> fucked up. But, that's uh, uh kind of hilarious. But, yeah, it's a lot of, uh... A lot of product placement, and then uh, a few big-name actors in the Chinese market, like Fan Bingbing, who played Blink in Days of Future Past, is not it. This is like a random nurse. Uh, uh, The Chinese actors, they're the ones that perform Tony's heart surgery at the end. You do see a little bit of them.
0: That was Disney's beginning of really catering towards the Chinese box office, which I think... um I don't know, if, again... Hey, it made uh, more than Avengers, didn't it? It did. It's the fifth highest-grossing film of all time, by the way, guys. Something worked. Side note, Avatar took over the number one box office spot of all time today, uh, because it's doing an IMAX re-release now that theaters are reopening. So it actually just beat Avengers Endgame as the uh, number one highest box office grocer of all time. Once again,
2: yeah, it's making a good money for a re-release in China because over there, I mean, that movie Avatar, not to get on a tangent, as you all say, but over there, Avatar is like, I mean, gone with the wind in the US, like it just blew shit away compared to everything Mm -hmm. else at the time. And there's a lot of hype for the next one there. There's
0: a lot of hype in this house for the next Avatar 2, especially with Vinny D coming into it. I'm very excited for Avatar 2. Join yeah, us in our Avatar 2 fucking pod. Yeah, yeah. Join us for Where I just talk <laughs> about James Cameron and suck his dick for fucking the rest of my life, pretty much. Again, weird start to the second phase, especially after Avengers to find ourselves on more grounded territory. Um, we went from this big cosmic kind of spectacle team-up film to something that was very much back to the roots. Um, An individual character on his individual story arc, telling his own individual story, but within the larger ramifications of the Marvel Universe, dealing with the post-traumatic stress that a normal human being probably would have if they got sucked up into an alien wormhole. And then what often um is considered another misstep for marvel that i disagree with the lowest um earning sequel i think to date for a marvel film uh to date uh thor the dark world was was the next release um chance as our as our guest do you have like any positive impressions to say on thor the dark world what's like your general impression on on the thor sequels and thor franchise kind of as a whole?
2: Uh, yeah, I definitely have uh, positive thoughts. One, I do want to correct you a little Please. bit. Uh, Thor: The Dark World is not the lowest-grossing sequel. Uh, Iron Man Two and Ant Man and the Wasp oh, really? both gross oh, really? less. Uh, yeah, I mean they're both close. I believe uh, Thor Two is like six forty-four, and then Ant Man and the Wasp is six twenty-two, and uh, Iron Man Two is six twenty-three. And this is worldwide, not domestic.
0: But okay, got it, got it, got it.
2: But uh, it's all pretty close. Uh, I actually uh, enjoyed Thor the Dark World in theaters. I have since fallen off on it uh, just as a story and especially as the villain. I think Malekith is the worst villain we've seen. He's so generic, so boring. I do not care about the reasoning for what he's doing at all. But... Uh, I did love the uh, Loki and Thor relationship in this movie, maybe more than anything else that we've seen them in, even more than Ragnarok, because it felt like Loki's first turn back to his who he was before he made a weird shift in the first Thor film that I still don't really understand why he went from a decently loving kind of outcast brother to like a this dickhead who tries I to self, kill his dude. family, but well, you know, whatever. <laughs> yeah, but he was that before he they, found out he was, was an I myself. And hello. Can I hit really the rub real quick? I'm so sorry.
1: Movie. What is it? I just have a special guest real quick yes. that wanted to say hello, hello to everybody. My name is How's it going? <sighs> Hello. That's Austin, my son, and uh, we're talking about Thor, Austin. Thank you. Say goodbye to everybody. Goodbye, everybody. Bye, Austin. That's, so that's a cartoon cat. Okay. I'm sorry, uh, Chance, please. Cat. I was listening intently. I swear to God, you may continue.
0: Okay, so Chance, you you have a Star Wars group, right? Mm-hmm. Correct. Yes, I do. Okay. What's your Star Wars group?
2: It's called uh, Star Wars: The Last Fan Group, and we're at a, we're about twenty
0: thousand members deep. First off, check out Star Wars: The Last Fan Group. Second off, there's elements of the Star Wars prequels that I like, um, mostly just kind of the aesthetic of some of the aerial stuff, um, and and the the way technology kind of looks old and dirty, but still shoots lasers and there's a lot of that right. in thor the dark world and i was re-watching it this week and there's like flying rock uh spaceships that shoot lasers and things along those lines that i'm just Bex, like
3: too yeah and yeah, i'm really into that star wars at times huh?
0: yeah yeah and and i think that stuff is, is is just really fun visually and i kind of like Loki admire Thor the dark world for not um really trying to look like any comic book in particular and just kind of being its own thing. Um Asgard feels really fleshed out more so than it does in any MCU film. Um you get to see and maybe this is Alan Taylor the director is doing cuz he did Game of Thrones and Game of Thrones loves like a uh, like a peasant fucking at the red gate kind of scene. But there's a lot of like courtyard stuff in Asgard and you get to see the streets of Asgard and and it feels a little bit more like a lived in city or place. It feels more real than it did rather than just like a palace or somewhere where these alien gods lived in the first one Um, that I kind of like, I just, I kind of like, thor the dark world a lot like aesthetically i think it's fun you know yeah i i love the aesthetics of it so you like that it humanized the gods yeah it, it's humanized the gods it made it feel like a real place and thor's the protector of the nine realms and in the beginning there was darkness and from the darkness came the dark elves and i i love
3: it yeah <laughs> okay anthony i uh i wanted to um uh, mention more of the aesthetic, uh, the costumes and stuff. Like anything that any movie that reminds me of, like the cantina scene in Star Wars with like the practical effects and stuff like that, makes me very happy. And there was a lot of that, like the uh, the jail scene where they're locking up all these very colorful-looking characters that we never see again, really. <laughs> but uh, I-, I love the practical.
1: Travis, do you know the fan theory of uh that? Taserface face from Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two was the inmate in Asgard that curse uh, used this face to open up the, uh, <laughs> the. I have not.
3: I'm not. Yeah, uh, that's an interesting one. Yeah, uh, going back to something that uh, that's funny. Uh, Chance talked about uh, Malick as a villain. Yeah, I, I kind of agree that he's pretty bland and. It doesn't help that like uh, Jason Aaron's recent run on Thor used Malekith in a really interesting way to make him a lot more colorful than the movie uh, would lead you to believe.
0: Aside from him being a bit of
3: a vanilla
0: villain with vanilla motives, the final, (laughs) I'll preface this with a lot of, Marvel naysayers and complainers say the end of a Marvel movie is kind of the worst part where it kind of just becomes a CGI gobbledygook um, flying in the sky, shooting shit kind of stuff. The third act and the final battle in Lord of the Dark World is one of the better looking final battles in any of the MCU movies, especially of the second phase.
3: There's definitely some creative elements. I like did constantly teleporting around and... Like I wanted to see more of the the nine realms in general in the Thor movies, and like them having to uh, make trips to Earth in them is one of the downsides of the series. But but the yeah. London
0: the London set pieces were really cool. Um, anyone who's ever seen. Um like a woman that I date kind of knows I'm really into like a bossy long faced ladies. And I have like a big old crush. <laughs> I have a big old crush on Lady <laughs> Sif. Uh, she's right up my alley. She's not horse uh, face. I said long face, not horse face. I like longer, more angular faces on muscular women. So uh, she's right up my alley. Um, I'm sorry, John, her... I'm married. It's
1: okay, man. <laughs> <laughs> Next time, buddy. Uh, You're gonna get in trouble. I've been married before too. Set my minions on you. <laughs> anyway, um, so I I wanted to bring it up when we were talking about Iron Man three, but it, it's kind of more blatant in this movie in that the one sort of corner that they paint themselves into starting the phase after the Avengers movie is where the fuck are the Avengers? Have you ever read a comic book, man? I (laughs) understand that. I'm just saying we're we're talking about complaints with MCU movies, and um, so I can I can uh, dismiss Iron Man three or or forgive the Iron Man three because that was sort of like a personal thing, and like you know it all happened pretty quickly. But like the stakes in the Dark World are actually bigger than they are in Infinity War because. Thor is trying to prevent reality from stopping and Infinity War is just for half the universe so like I feel like someone could have gotten involved but obviously we we know the actual practical reason as long as it's not taking anybody out too much I think it's a valid argument but.
0: I always no, thought that yeah. stuff was so silly. Comic books have always existed like that, where, you know, you go on your fun little solo adventures, and then you all team up, and you
1: you fight your big team. Advances. But they, well, they didn't have to make the stakes so high in, in the movie, did they?
0: Well, they do it in every single comic book ever. I like, told you, you know, I, know what yeah, I mean? <laughs> they do it in, like, everything. You know what yeah, I mean? I like, will
3: go fuck. I'm personally pretty fine with, like, the, the real-world reason that they don't want to pay you everybody to show up with every movie <laughs> and it makes it less special whenever it does happen <laughs> well, they got Chris uh, Evans in
1: there for yeah months. just
3: for a, a quick uh, cameo there
1: huh? they've obviously like you said Travis Marvel does listen to their to their critiques and they've obviously in a big way have gone on to address that uh, So yeah they brought Darcy Lewis back
3: well yeah but I
1: mean like so,
3: was... I think they'll see her intern again uh, I don't remember his <laughs> fucking name <but> uh, <laughs> the intern's intern uh yeah yeah, he'll become a superhero in <laughs> well, Phase Six. You never know. Like I wasn't expecting uh, the random guy from uh, the first Iron Man movie to be one of the villains in Far From Home. It's
1: indeed. You know who that you know. is, right?
3: That's Ralph. Oh no, Christmas story. Oh, I had no idea. Yeah, it is. Oh, before we uh move on from Dark World uh, in the opening scene, uh. It's just a random bit of trivia, but the, the actor that plays more, uh, Thor's grandfather, may have the record for, like, most Marvel, uh, franchises. He's... He's been in, uh, the Punisher TV show, uh, it was either that or Daredevil, he's playing an Irish gangster, and then he was in Blade Two and X-Men First Class, and, uh, and then, obviously, this movie, so there's four different, uh, Cannons. Huh. Uh, He's always playing just like some random, but it's a gig is a gig.
0: The War of the Dark World was also the first time we heard the uh, Michael Giacchino fanfare with the new Marvel logo um, in the beginning um, that we kind of have all kind of grown accustomed to. And I remember at the time thinking, like, oh, this is a bit extravagant. And then Marvel's kind of like, hold my beer this needs more Falcon or. Bug and rocket raccoon and whatever the hell they got going on in it now um i used to get kind of more excited in the marvel movies when it was just the sound of the comic books flipping do you guys remember that like mm-hmm. in that was across
1: all of the marvel properties right from different that was. yeah
0: yeah but this was the first one that um threw that away and and had that michael Giacchino score that's kind of reminiscent of alan silvestri's um avengers score um this was also the first uh marcus mcfeely collaboration within the mcu which you know we're we're gonna end up i i assume we're gonna end up talking about them once we jump to winter soldier maybe use this as a segue uh but marcus and and mcfeely kind of have become the go-to guys especially for the bigger team up movies they um they co-wrote Lord of the Dark World with Christoph uh, um, Yost, who was a comic book writer, uh, still is, but you know dabbles in TV and film, too. Um, uh, they wrote Winter Soldier, all the Russo brother movies, Civil War, Infinity War, and Endgame. Uh, Chance, do you know if they've written anything other than the ones I just listed? They, they're, they're Marvel's guys.
2: Yeah, not in the MCU. They did all of the... Um... All the Russo Brothers stuff, and, uh, yeah, they haven't done anything since then. It's amazing that they went from fucking Thor The Dark World to
0: Endgame. Yeah.
2: Like, I'm surprised they weren't fired after Well, that
0: after let's use this as a segue and that particularly. Around this time, I was very into a little-known... Thursday night comedy on NBC called Community with uh, future stars Donald Glover and Joel McHale. I was so into the show. It was like everything I wanted on like a Thursday night 30-minute fucking comedy. And I previously I previously on Arrested Development. I was very into Arrested Development. I loved Arrested and Development. So do I. And when they announced winter soldier i was obviously very excited um around after i graduated high school i had just started college i guess it was like 2005 2006 i was reading the ed brubaker captain america run it was the first time i'd might have ever picked up a captain america solo um series and 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 it really like kind of like like uh, knocked my socks off it, it was it's one of the better standalone marvel uh solo runs especially of that era
3: um just kind of the total package the artwork the the writing and everything is just so good And even like the action beats there's a it's a flow to it and it's almost like an animation where the the action makes sense from one panel to the next absolutely
0: uh are a really cinematic um
3: creator oh yeah Um, and then even tonally like the look that's around is yeah
0: absolutely so to hear that they were adapting winter soldier and then to hear that the guys who produced and directed all the good episodes of community and arrested development were the guys that they were bringing into it was a crazy kind of um merger of like everything that i kind of liked but i didn't know would work at the time
1: yeah Um, they weren't they weren't confirmed for infinity war then that wasn't until like they were hired for civil war and infinity war at the same time right
0: yeah that was like the the 2016 comic con or whatever 2014 comic con where they announced all that the Rooster Brothers. So
1: we didn't know what to expect. This no, point. the only
0: movie they directed was that fucking movie that Steely Dan complained about called uh, Cousin Dupree or Me, You, and Dupree or whatever.
2: Yeah, You, Me, and Dupree. <laughs>
0: That's with Owen Wilson. And and it was famously, uh, yeah. Steely Dan has a song called Cousin Dupree about this lazy motherfucker who sleeps on their couch and is like ruining their marriage. And, and like, Matt Dillon, right? movie, Matt Dillon. And, and coming back yep, yeah. yep, yep. And and Steely Dan wrote a, an angry letter to... Um, to uh, Owen Wilson's brother, and it was like to the enormously talented Luke Wilson. We got to talk about your brother, and and it was like a joke for a little while in the snobby jazz community that I'm also a subsect to. Um, but <laughs> they had improved themselves. I didn't know what it was going to be, and and you know, you guys are all in agreement. Winter Soldiers, top tier, right? It's I mean when like, that
1: so when that came out. I am Chance. I, I want to let you uh, answer, this, especially as our guest. But I just I want to say that because I First Avenger probably is my least favorite Phase One movie. Um, mm. I'm, I'm usually not the only one to think that, but that's just a stereotype. Yeah. That's, um. That's so I wasn't very excited, or you know, I I, I, did, I did I was like Oh Winter Soldier. I didn't really look into the directors too much. I should have. I don't know what the hell was going on. I, mean, like, I think I was just moved back to New York. Um, but I did not have much anticipation or hopes for Winter Soldier, or at least like I was going to go see it like I see every other MCU movie. And uh, I was just so fucking floored and blown away by it. And like even just the opening of it, like the first action set piece. I mean, obviously the opening with Sam and Steve was great, but... um you know, you're you're all of a sudden you're in like a Jason Bourne movie with Captain America running around that fucking ship and kicking fucking ass. I'm like
3: it's oh. such an upgrade from the first movie. Yeah,
1: I was like, Holy shit, I'm fucking I am down. And it, the-
3: side note about that action.
0: Um, if you guys do want to check out like a kind of underrated PlayStation two game, the Captain America, the first Avenger is kind of dope. And the action's very similar to um the Arkham, the, the Arkham games, yes, yeah, Travis. Yeah. And supposedly Chris Evans had so much fun working on that game and playing that game that he brought it to the Russo brothers and said, Can we make me fight a little bit more like I did in this video game?
3: Yeah, I've been meaning to play that game. I was actually watching clips of it uh, just a few days ago. So I wanted to see what villains were included in that. Uh, The movie,
0: though, like, it wears its influences kind of on its sleeve very proudly with the uh sydney bollock kind of um you know three days at the condor um taking a Palin one two three kind of you know 70s espionage spy flicks and that's kind of become marvel's bag in recent years and the way that they kind of have kept things so fresh is uh like, let's kind of just like adapt genres as much as we're adapting these characters and these story arcs and then kind of make everything its kind of own individualized subgenre. So you'd never really get like that superhero fatigue that we keep hearing is going to be coming because it's like, oh, we'll make, a, you know, a spy espionage thriller and then we'll make WandaVision and then we'll make the space opera and then we'll make this heist. Oh, hit my microphone because I got excited. And then we'll make this heist movie. That wasn't um, his
1: hand either that hit his microphone.
3: I'm still fucking reeling over that Iron Man 3 talk sorry (laughs) Uh, I'm talking about the action in the film and like uh, the uh, the highway scene or whatever that is probably uh, one of the best action scenes in any of the solo movies for sure Uh, just the entire from beginning to end yeah and uh, Sebastian Stan practiced a lot
1: uh, to, do the, the, to do that knife work, and if I'm not mistaken, they didn't use a lot of his takes. They used a lot of the stunt the stunt double for whatever reason, but uh, it looks like from previews of Falcon and Winter Soldier, they let him uh, show that off a little bit, because he, he put in a lot of work for that.
0: You get to see ScarJo really kind of flex her celebrity status in that movie, too, and <laughs> I... I, I dude like you guys are laughing but that's not what i'm I, laughing
1: at i'll tell you when you're done what i'm laughing at <laughs> oh <laughs> I grew scarlett up, johansson.
0: oh i grew up fucking with scarlett johansson she's like around the same age as all of us you know we watched her kind of act as a kid same with natalie portman
1: it was kind of like an ugly duckling sort of situation wasn't she at least like when you saw like was a cool world not cool world what's ghost world. ghost world uh she was kind of like uh a Sarah all yeah. I guess, uh, whatever. You
0: yeah, and she really grew into not only becoming one of the biggest, you know, actors or actresses in Hollywood, but the highest paid actress in Hollywood who can simultaneously win and be nominated for Academy Awards and do these big, dumb fucking Marvel movies at the same time. It's kind of that was that was a real one that sold me um, on her as like a. You know, a fucking movie star, movie star.
1: And this movie, particularly, pretty much confirmed what we had already seen in Iron Man 2 and Avengers and every movie after this is that Black Widow's signature move is wrapping her vagina around your face and like tossing her legs everywhere. And we would do a marathon uh, going through all the MCU movies, waiting for the new Avengers movies. I'm like, oh,
3: this is where she's going to wrap her vagina around the face. And like, she lit. We've kind of done it too much in not just Marvel movies, but like with Phoenix. Female action movies in general, that uh, like head scissors thing. But that's like that's black. You her go know. to, yeah, yeah, it, yeah. He's
0: gonna do it in every uh, month I love bossy long faces who wrap their vaginas around my face, though. So. I'm not complaining. I, I literally pay for that stuff, especially when their hair is dyed red like that. I pay for that stuff. And so. she has a
1: different like red tint and hairstyle every movie. That's a good question. Don't get me started. That's a good question to have asked is what's your favorite Black Widow hairstyle? I got to put that into the uh, into the group. Cause I have the
0: Check out the MCU Beyond Infinity Facebook group when you have a chance, by the way.
1: Yes,
2: yeah, i they're frequently uh, discussing various aspects of the MCU and all the rumors <laughs> I hear. So stop by and check us out.
0: There is a, I, I, it, it was redeeming kind of. I Travis, I know Like you're, kind of my Asian film guru, uh, especially you know like with Asian action films too. Um, and while I do love American action movies and big dumb, and I, I, I like I love F Gary Gray. I love fucking. Uh. Carrying Fu is that how you pronounce the guy? I, I like basically I like I, I like Pujuhata. fucking Fast and the Furious. You know what I mean? I, I like those dumb movies. Um <laughs> but the action with all the cuts, I like Michael Bay movies. I it, it, but there was something different about Winter Soldier where it held these takes. Um it, it, it allowed us to see the action, it allowed the the takes to breathe before cutting um, yeah. in a way that a lot of american action films don't do and and the raid had you know just come out and so we were yeah. kind of all hot yeah. on
3: that Oh, I, I completely agree like i know uh, some people do still complain about the number of cuts in uh, the marvel movies but for the most part i'm always able to make out the action and i uh, i tend to hate shaky cam in films and i don't think it was it's ever been ever done in the Marvel flicks.
0: And a great sense of uh, spatial geography.
3: How do you... uh, Kind of off-topic, but how do you feel uh, about Winter Soldier uh, being lucky, and we've talked about before how character deaths should mean something, but uh, this is one of the few ones where I didn't mind it even in the comics, because he had stayed dead for so long that it, it was meaningful. And I'm curious, was anyone surprised by it being Bucky. I mean, I know we all probably had knowledge.
1: When his death happened in, in First Avenger, everyone was like, oh, yep, there we go. <laughs> it was like, it didn't happen on camera. Like, he just fell off the train, so... Like, yeah,
3: yeah, it's a dead giveaway that that person's probably going to return. <laughs>
1: um, As far as, like, who was surprised in... To see Winter Soldier, that it was Bucky. I don't know. It's hard. It's the same thing with uh, the Mysterio conundrum and Spider Man Far From Home. Well,
3: I didn't know if like anyone saw it with their family member that isn't a Marvel fan. Like I don't know if there anyone had like a uh, a moment where someone was surprised. I'm sure my mother was very surprised.
0: Oh yeah, <laughs> I know. I know my ex wife <laughs> was very surprised. Yeah, what's up, mom? Happy birthday, by the way. Um, I there were rules. And it was jo- It was kind of a joke that Uncle Ben, the Waynes, and Bucky were the only ones that we couldn't fucking bring back. And when they did it with Bucky, it was it was kind of contentious. Um, before the the Winter Soldier reveal, when they were hinting at it, um, and that arc was really highly publicized, um, just because it had been coming off of the death of Captain America and I, I don't know if you guys remember, but the death of Captain America like made the papers like it was like in the New York Times like they killed i assume kind of like
3: death of Superman and, uh just to a lesser degree probably uh,
0: absolutely absolutely um and and you know bringing Bucky back from the dead was kind of uh like a faux pas that's the the term right <laughs> uh, it was it was a big too. Thank you. Um, yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I think, you know, we were all kind of on the same bandwagon where we were kind of all going batshit. And whether or not people had read the comic book arc or not, people kind of became like Wikipedia warriors. Um,
3: I will say there was one surprise for me. I wasn't expecting uh, Batrock, the, the Leaver, to be in the film at all. I, uh,
1: you didn't see that in your research?
3: No, No, well, it's, it's one of those things where I, I would have never guessed that would be a villain that they'd bother adapting. And he's coming back, right? Yes, yes. I mean, it's got a legitimate badass playing him and everything. So yeah, George St.
1: Pierre kind of like, you know, yeah, that's why so yeah. many people kind of like keyed in on that because that was that his first film.
2: Yeah, and I'm a big UFC fan, so him being in it kind of made me more interested in the movie. Than I otherwise would be because I did not care at all about Captain America after the first film or even after uh, Avengers, really. He was still just an Earth-based kind of, you know, hand-to-hand combat. I can beat up, a you know, a SWAT team member kind of superhero, not like somebody I was super interested in, but...
1: Uh, they also finally got him in a badass costume in Well yeah, he
2: didn't like, look like he was a Halloween trick-or-treater
0: anymore, and that was nice. Well, I kinda did want to bring up a side note about how at this time Agents of Shield was like really going strong. And this was kind of like the beginning of I mean, now we have Marvel television to like the ninth degree, but at the time I, I thought it was pretty cool how Jasper Sitwell was You know, part of Agents of Shield, and then he was part of the
1: MCU first. A lot of people don't realize that he's in the first Thor movie,
0: and he was in the one shots too. He was in a couple of the one shots as well, but it it was really tying things all together. Like, and that's what the Russo brothers kind of and Marcus and McFeely were like really, and they still are like so good at those big like this has a lot of ramifications for the future films and tying
1: everything together it only swung one way like the 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 movies never until until endgame with uh jarvis jarvis yeah um the films never had anything that originated first in the show and was acknowledged in the films which kind of sucked but like you could still be a fan of the show and say it's connected because like you said because shield is so heavily uh ingrained in in Captain America uh that was big and then of course wasn't it like season 2 like the finale led right into the beginning of Age of Ultron or something like that yeah it was
0: the middle of uh it was the middle of season 2 was all the all the shield stuff, um, Jasper Sitwell being kind of a rat, and then shield like going down the tubes, and then Fury kind of coming into Agents of Shield with Lady Sif for some reason. Yeah. Whatever they could get. Yeah, yeah. Whatever they could get. But again, at, at the time that that stuff was really fun for me, and and I I love Winter Soldier. I can't speak you know any higher of it, and it, and it really. Became kind of the blueprint for for Marvel, um, in my eyes, in terms of um, you know, style and and direction, kind of, um, aesthetically.
1: Yeah, and it, it was. You can enjoy that movie if you're not a superhero or Marvel fan. Like, it's it's like one of those spy espionage movies that, like, I'm like, I don't feel like I'm watching a fucking Captain America movie right now. I truly don't. Like, obviously, the end, you know, has a fucking dude with bird wings, but it was it was just i was like wow especially coming again like i don't hate iron man 3 but coming off of that and feeling like uh -uh, a little bit and um then it's like holy shit and and Thor: the dark world excuse me like though it was like oh no two and then we got boom Winter Soldier, and then boom, Guardians of the Galaxy, which I don't know if we want to segue into that. Yeah,
0: yeah, but. I was just about to say it, like, we hit the ground fucking running, um, Guardians being next, coming from completely Earth-based, completely grounded, huge ramifications on the universe, and then whisked off to a uh, galaxy far far away this
1: is where marvel found out oh, we can do whatever the fuck we want now can't we yeah,
3: yeah this is a gamble
2: yeah this was a huge risk you have a fucking talking tree and a raccoon
1: and like a lot of people were that they're like andy from fucking parks and recreation is gonna be the superhero like right and you have
2: the wrestler guy is gonna be
1: another superhero
2: and Vin Diesel's going to say three words, which is more than normal <laughs> for Yo, him. No, we still are pro Vin
0: Diesel on this podcast. My <laughs> sure. <laughs> yeah, the way they introduce. I'm pro him as long as he's a tree. <laughs> I'm just trying to live my life a quarter mile at a time. So chill the fuck out on the Vin Diesel heat. I love that guy. Yeah. How many? <laughs> the how introduce? many
1: Fast and Furious posters are hanging up in your bedroom right now? Just one. <laughs> I do have a Vin Diesel blanket. Uh, <laughs> you have a oh, Vin Diesel <laughs> calendar, don't you? I
0: I do at work. I have one, but I have like a I have like a blanket with just like Vin Diesel, like with his like little cross chain on. somewhere. How many stains are I on it? On your mother's listening. <laughs> Happy birthday, mom. <laughs> um, I, I the Guardians set a fucking mood, though. Um, this The summer of 2014, I was getting married. I was having a beach wedding. Um, my ex-wife had no, didn't last probably because I fucking talked about comic books too much, but, um, we were really happy and she was not into comic books or these movies at all. Uh, she was very into parks and recreation as was I. And, you know, I asked on that Thursday, I had no one to go with. Um, I got out of work. I was like, the parks and rec guy is in a movie with the guy who directed super, um, super was the one. That, yeah that, she she you know. she, she likes she liked that she movie like, she doesn't um, like
1: like heart she did she don't like slither
0: no she likes slither too but i think super was the one i could like have sold her on i was like it was the It's a guy great, movie. Made... great fucking
1: movie.
0: yeah yeah and and we went on that thursday and that entire summer including like at our wedding and on our honeymoon fucking hooked on a feeling fucking um like all those shoes the Redbone song come and get your love well, Yeah, that like fucking it, soundtrack. It, like man
2: Dude, it like yeah, super awesome mix volume 1 is the It's
0: shit. the shit. It set a fucking mood. It set a fucking tone. It was the best. It was such a good fucking like aesthetic and on every level, sonically, uh tonally, um comedically, action-wise, it just really it was like a fucking package that they just
1: So like I was one of the people that was curious about that announcement of Guardians of the Galaxy, but, like, I was definitely not, like, what the fuck are they doing? I was kind of like, this is, might be something that they need to do. Like, you know, kind of, like, try try something out. Like, they need to kind of take a risk, think outside the box. So I was, like, I th- even with the talking raccoon in the tree, I was, like, let's just wait and see. And that first teaser trailer to, uh, was it hook, hooked on a feeling? Like, or no, is Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yep. Yeah, yeah, that was, like holy shit this is gonna be so fucking awesome
0: and they did the the lineup with the the middle finger and what a bunch of a-holes um i mean were you guys familiar with any i mean there's no shame in this but like were you guys familiar with any of these characters before the movie or before the announcement or
3: anything at all I was not. I had seen the comic occasionally, but not never picked it up, or and I didn't know anyone that had. Yeah, I so. had no fucking clue. Yeah, I, I knew of
2: the characters, but I had never read a comic with them. Even a lot of the referential material yeah. doesn't have them prominently featured in any way. This is my number one film of the MCU.
0: It's
1: probably my number two, I think.
2: This is the first one I saw more than once. I saw it three oh, wow. times Is volume two
1: uh, close you know, it's, it, in there, or did you, you didn't like it?
2: No, Volume 2 is not in my top 10. I, I like it. It's fine. But it, it would be like, I think I have it probably ranked around 14 to 16.
1: Okay, so this one really spoke to you.
2: Yeah, I think as a starter movie, it's kind of hard to compete with something like Endgame or Infinity War. Just on a scale and 10 years of building love and interest in these characters and stories. But it's my number one because in my view, it is the perfect type of film for me. Like it's got heart, humor, it has cosmic power. It's not just run of the mill. You know, it's interesting. You, you can cry a little if you want. You have those shocking moments.
1: That's why I asked about the second one.
2: Yeah, the uh, the second one was uh, very generic to me. And it was it was fine, but it it didn't do anything special, but I think Apart from Iron Man, Guardians of the Galaxy is the most important MCU film to date. I mean, uh, will probably be that because I don't because now we're at the point where everything goes, so it can't. There's not really anything else that can be important anymore.
1: That movie, like you could take the whole family to because just like how John mentioned, it was oh, it yeah. struck a nerve with him and his his at the time wife, and um, like so it had that romance aspect, and it has the space opera like for kids and stuff like that my uh my daughter was six at the time so it was actually a little bit too scary for her but um it had everything like the whole family could go there and get something out of it so.
0: and it wasn't really a superhero movie either um which no, which is no. again like how you like the cosmic stuff so much in the films i steer more towards cosmic stuff um in the superhero, you know, in the big two in Marvel and DC, like I grew up a green lantern guy. Um, that was like, like Kyle Rayner era. Green lantern is like one of the big introductions into comic books. Like when I first started reading them, um, And that's kind of, like, where where I always gravitated. And one of the things I always kind of admired about um, the cosmic end of the Marvel comics was it wasn't necessarily, like, capes and tights and and do-gooders. As much as it was, you know, space operas and and heavy science fiction and and just kind of, like, just weird ideas and weird stories. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, that
2: film... And the the story arc in general shouldn't work in the MCU, but it does, and it's kind of perfect. And I I want to give a shout-out to uh, Ronan, who is one of my personal favorite villains, even though everyone seems to hate him and thinks he's shit. (laughs) I loved him in that fucking movie. I loved his stupid quotes. I can quote almost all of them, and I just think he's great.
3: I wanted more from Ronan. I wanted him to not be a one-off. That I mean, Granny's popped back up in Captain Marvel, but but yeah, I wouldn't count that because I mean it's yeah. Uh, in in the comics, he does a bit more. He's yeah. And I'm
2: also a Lee Pace fan. I just like the actor, and I was like, this is.
0: Gr- do you watch the show Turn? Uh it, it's not. about the. The small town that I grew up in. There's that's why I was asking. I was about to go on a tangent about uh shout out to in <laughs> New York, but whatever. Um, what Travis was saying though, Ronan's a huge deal in in Marvel Comics. Like the Ronan the accuser, yeah. yeah he I mean, yeah, I mean, ran the
3: Kree Empire at one point. Just like the ruler characters always interest me because it's a, a different dynamic. Uh but i can't be too upset about it like it's it's still a really good movie uh, and
2: our first real interaction with thanos
1: very true yeah i do want to address the funny part that i'm talking about that i love lee pace as ronin because it was uh how they and they pulled it off successfully but you know he's such a serious uh character and he's devout and almost like a you know an a extreme terrorist or something like that but when um zealot is exactly zealot. the word i was looking for when it is that l- end part on xandar and P- peter's being like an idiot and dancing <laughs> lee pace's reaction and timing and that was like just what, what, what are you doing like he was genuinely <laughs> wanted to know what the fuck he was doing <laughs> first and then he got it a- and then he yeah, got angry. like that. That felt like <laughs> yeah, Lee Pace, agree, not Ronan. Like he was like, "What, what are you?" <laughs> and then, are he you an, doing? Yeah. then he got angry. Then he got angry. What broke. are you doing? Like you and the, me. The, the, the... Yeah, yeah, that, that was that Ronan first. Again. What are you doing? Was great. <laughs> I digress. It's on. really
0: Flash Gordon y too, which um, it's just a kind of like you were kind of talking about like the different elements of different kinds of um, you know different kinds of romps that it kind of is. um. I think there's a lot of, like, old, serialized... Almost like Indiana Jones, Raiders of the Lost Ark.
3: I was going to mention that, like, that opening scene where they introduce Star-Lord, it reminds me of Indiana Jones and Han Solo mixed, uh, Yeah,
2: Remember, Tony makes the reference to him, Flash Gordon, get over here. So, I mean, they're even going back to it a little bit. They recognize what they are. And that's the
0: stuff that made those Spielberg-Lucas movies feel really special, is that kind of, like, kindred love for... You know, old serials and and like Doc Savage and Flash Gordon. That's like kind of what Indiana Jones is and that's kind of what Star-Lord is. And then there's a meta commentary of him kind of, you know, being aware of what Flash Gordon and Indiana Jones are and just being that, which is, you know,
1: another level of fucking awesome, basically. And it walked that tightrope of it wasn't copying those movies. It was... You know, paying homage to them perfectly. I pulled all like you know, it was an Indiana Jones, Star Wars, Spielberg movie, like in the Marvel universe, um, and just so gonzo and just knocked it out of the park. They did everything right, Made by a trauma guy. I was gonna say by by having James Gunn for that, like they <laughs> clearly had to have been a risk, and like there was probably meetings beyond meetings behind closed doors over at Disney and Marvel, and they're you know whoever stuck to their guns on that one. God bless them. Oh, God. oh they're done.
2: Boner. That's why you have to give Feige and, you know, uh, Louis Esposito, Victoria Alonso, so much credit for recognizing talent that as a f- normal kind of movie follower, you'd be like, what the hell is this guy who did Slither doing fucking Guardians of the Galaxy or these Yumi and Dupree guys doing a Captain America spy yeah. espionage film? It doesn't make sense, but they see it and that's all that matters. And that's why people give them so much credit and so much faith now to do whatever they want.
0: Yeah, we kind of went into that in our in our first episode, uh, Chance, about this certain level of oratorship that the MCU, uh, you know, I hadn't really thought about it in the earlier phases so much until we were kind of talking about it but it's there right from the beginning obviously with you know studio mandates and, and oversight always there um but you know john favreau very unique voice very unique uh filmmaker who kind of works you know like kind of a maverick oh, yeah. you know what i mean
2: to go from elf you go from to swingers Iron to Man.
0: elf you know what i mean like um, yeah, and then I mean. kenneth Brana uh you know very like if you watch that first Thor movie a lot of weird Dutch angles a lot of weird shit going on in that movie that's very
2: That's a very it's a very theatrical Shakespearean
0: yeah it's it's crazy. Um and then you know Shane Black, Joss Whedon, um they had Patty Jenkins. We we didn't talk about it. It's kind of a sour subject.
2: Yeah she was originally supposed to do Guardians, right? She was yeah. originally supposed dark to world. do the
0: Dark World. Yeah.
2: Dark world. That's right. I remember it was something. Yeah,
0: and Natalie Portman at the time of the first Thor was actually, you know, she was the the big name. Hemsworth was really a nobody. So Portman got, uh, you know, director's choice, writer's choice, and she got Patty Jenkins and all of these guys involved. Um, and then you know she got fired slash quit uh, without Portman knowing about it and she wasn't very happy. And that's why dark world kind of feels like the first movie that like almost directed itself. Um, like Feige kind of directed it, but then right well, back mean, into it, was it, a,
1: it was the game of Thrones dude, right?
0: Yeah. So that it, was, it, that it, was it, like,
1: that was like a phone in pretty much at that point.
0: Yeah. It, it makes sense. It makes sense. But again, they, they were still going for that level of our and, and, you know, we'll get to it in a couple of minutes. It doesn't always work out. We're going to talk about it, man. Um, um, but they're able to give these unique filmmakers with unique voices and unique style, their own films with just the right amount of oversight. Ryan Coogler is a huge example, you know, I think.
2: and the one I'm looking forward to most of everything announced that we haven't seen yet. Eternals with Chloe Zhao, oh my God. God, which I think is going to be incredible.
0: Have you seen Nomadland?
2: I did. I finally saw it. Like I oh, Three days okay. ago. And uh, the fact that there's supposed to be shots in
0: Eternals shot like Nomadland. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I no. Is. Incredible. I gotta check that it's insane. out insane. It's, insane. it's insane This woman is like She's from fucking Hong Kong And she's like obsessed with like middle America And she made like sad cowboy movies And then made this like Little slice of life movie with France McDormand and then her fucking next project Is fucking the Eternals And it's going, I, I'm calling it now Right now, it's going to say From Academy Award winning director Chloe Zhao Yeah, I think she's gonna win best director Absolutely she is, absolutely Absolutely she is. And it will be the first female director too to win best director, right? Maybe.
2: Uh no. Catherine Bigelow won it for uh Bigelow
0: won director, she didn't just win Best Picture. Uh, I can check, but I thought All so. right, regardless, big deal. Fucking big okay, deal. Shout out to Catherine Bigelow, point break rules. Yeah. Um it's you literally the the the, uh,
3: Eternals kinda of ties back in with Guardians since this is uh we're getting the Celestials yeah, in her Eternals, obviously, and we get our first look at one in Guardians of the Galaxy. With the celestials? Yes, yes. We get a, a single image of them using the power Stone, or it looks like Esau and the searcher maybe.
2: But now, when you look at the art and the uh, the kind of the merchandise that's kind of coming out, I don't know if some of y'all have taken a look for, for the way the Celestials is gonna look compared to how it looked in Guardians. I mean, it's a completely different. Yeah,
3: they look uh, skinnier. I get more um, less humanoid. Yeah, like yeah. skinnier, more yeah. organic. Uh, it looks great, but it's very different. Yeah, yeah. I'll play it by your own how I feel about that. Well, seeing it in action is one thing, and from seeing it in just like a, on a T-shirt or something. Uh,
2: oh, yeah, of course.
3: One thing that uh, surprised me with Guardians of the Galaxy was uh, Batista, the uh, them working to his limitations with kind Drax. of the
0: standout of that movie. Yeah, too. stole the show. Mm-hmm. Drax was really. I I was trying to set it up to tee off of this before, with um, you know, did you guys know these characters? Drax was the only character that I really had like any previous relationship with
3: yeah like i had a little bit of experience with gamora uh and drax from really like old silver Surfer like 90s run
1: and they kind of they took some liberties with him right because wasn't he like a reincarnated person from like earth or something like that or it's
2: complicated but yeah and the main thing i remember about drax in the comics wasn't he like designed or created to kill Thanos? Yeah. yeah 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 and that's completely
0: different than what he is now well, they kind of redesigned that in the Abbott and uh and landing run of Guardians of the Galaxy that um, you know, kind of I, I I it had to have inspired it because it was the first one that really included Star Lord, it included Gamora, um, it it um it tonally kind of fits into this entire thing. It's where the Thanos stuff kind of started to come in with Annihilation and Annihilation Conquest and all of that. Um but yeah, they they really hadn't been characters until that point um, that anyone cared that gave a fucking rat's ass about. Same with Eternals, really. Like I I don't know anyone who like swears by the Eternals, you know. And I, I yeah, this a, new
2: Eternals line is the first one I've read.
0: Yeah, I read the old Kirby stuff, but that's only because like I'm like a Jack Kirby like completest like nutcase, you know what I mean? And and I just I'm like fascinated by the man, and I'm fascinated by his work, and I'm fascinated by. Um, Especially like that 70s latter uh, part of his career where he was kind of going batshit and doing like, you know, the fourth world saga for DC and then it didn't sell well and then he made amends with Stan and and came back to Marvel and that's where he did the Eternals and he did like a short-lived 2001 Space Odyssey series for Marvel, which is pretty fun if you guys want to check it out, but um. Yeah, like it's just stuff that that no one cares about, and I think there's a lot of creative freedom to these good filmmakers, like the James Guns and the Chloe Zows, where it's like we're not really tied down to people being too precious about these things, and, and really like caring if we if we fuck them up or change things or you know they can they can kill those darlings that's going back to what we were talking about in the beginning of the podcast without people getting too upset generally
1: and those darlings and and jack kirby era folks have to realize that like the 20 30 years of comic arcs which i'm sure they're aware of but like a lot of people get upset especially with spider-man with adapting aesthetics and storylines from you know ultimates and ultimate spider-man and on because they want to see spider-man because they want to see their classic you know spider-man villains that they grew up when they're little it's like guess what we're all we're old farts now so you gotta you gotta let in for some new stuff
3: so for me it's all about getting the broad strokes of things It, it doesn't have to be an exact beat for beat adaptation uh of these things uh, i mean
0: speaking about beat for beat adaptations have any of you guys read the age of ultron comic
3: book no
1: i know i know that it's nothing the film did not adapt anything but the name from it
3: yeah yeah i i haven't read it uh it's i'm, I'm sure i will at some point as i'm getting reading uh max uh, rogers would say
0: i'll put it on the list you can skip it you can skip it um okay Okay, okay. it's not it's not very good um it's relatively new it's from an era of marvel that i really like and i'm kind of fond of the marvel now era which i really do dig or like 2012-ish marvel is kind of like my shit like after avx like i was like all in that i love the creative teams um it's a time travel story, um, and the main characters are Sue Storm and Wolverine, and um, it's weird. It's weird, um, but knowing Phase 2 was leading up to Ultron was very exciting, because we had gotten the cosmic baddie with Loki um We knew cosmic stuff was coming, especially coming off of Guardians of the Galaxy, like getting back to Earth and having the Avengers basically reckoning with the Avengers and kind of sowing the seeds for the beginning of phase three so well, especially in hindsight, um, where it's kind of the beginning of the friction. Um, Ultron being a direct kind of um, ramification of you know, what Tony was going through in Iron Man 3. Um, I, I was really excited for this movie. Chance, you were kind of going on before about how, you you know, you really didn't enjoy this movie when you first saw it. Like, for context, my old, and shout out to this comic book store, if you guys are, if any listeners, fellow Beyonders, if you're in New York State, Fourth World Comics and Toys in Smithtown, New York, is the Best comic book store in the northeast of the United States. It's, would it's know, long, so. I, I would. I go to all of them. I love it's well, my I mean old. Like, yeah, yeah. I wouldn't know. I wouldn't know. Um, it's the best. Um, Scott Schneider, it's his regular comic book store. Fucking Peter David's been going there for fucking 20, 30 years. Uh, Charles Soule goes there now. It's like where the comic book guys go to get their comic books. But they used to have um, fan. And, and member screening. So, like, if you had a poll list from Fourth World, you could buy tickets to a movie on opening night. Um, and I did it with Force Awakens. I did it with um, Age of Ultron was the first one. I remember being at that Thursday screening um, with all the guys from the comic book store. And, like, I, I was so happy during that movie. Um, it, it was kind of like everything that I wanted think i knew how to set my expectations and a lot of people were going into it like they wanted to be one-upped by this avengers and i was kind of thinking like more in the empire strikes back vein as like i don't necessarily want to be one up but i want to see kind of the continuation of the larger arc at play and i think uh especially in hindsight now Age of Ultron really holds up on that promise as being the the kind of, like, middle child. Does that make sense?
2: Yeah, definitely. I think one of my big issues with Age of Ultron, and it's my fault at the time, is do you remember in 2014, and I remember the, I remember the uh, video for it, as Kevin Feige said, on a random Tuesday at a movie theater where they announced, you know, Captain Marvel, Black Panther... And they also announced Infinity War Part One and Two. That was a
0: good Tuesday. It was great. That was a good but, Tuesday. They, they announced the Inhumans too.
2: <laughs> they did, which I I hate that that went to the wayside because I wanted I want a Black Bolt, a proper Black Me too Bolt. You I want to Vin Diesel yeah, Black
1: Playing them, by the way, chance uh-huh. probably.
2: Yeah. <laughs> oh God, that's neither here nor there. But I think because they announced Infinity War One and Two, I lost a lot of interest in Age of Ultron as like, oh, well, everything's going to be fine in this movie because they have to get to the movies that really matter. That's where something's going to end or begin. It's not going to be this. This is filler. So mm. I think when when that was announced, if they hadn't announced those two films, I think I could have looked at it a lot differently. Yeah. But since they did, I was like, well, I mean, this is just something something to do on a Thursday, and it'll be, you know epic but what's what are we gonna lose or gain
0: yeah nothing i mean but such is the secular nature of this kind of serialized storytelling you know what i mean
2: oh yeah 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 and like i said my headspace was a little different back then I, i was a lot more cynical i guess same as a as a younger kind of nerd which i that's why i try to give a bit of leeway to younger nerds i'm like okay you're still growing you'll learn it's it's not life or death like you seem to think it is and uh yeah and just in, in, during the film i was like well this doesn't have the heart of the first avengers movie this this doesn't have that singular epic i'm always angry moment it had you know one or two cool set pieces and just kind of ultron just felt you know like a throwaway villain, and I didn't like that.
0: Yeah, I didn't like that either, but looking back at it, it's it's less about the villain and more about the heroes against themselves and what the heroes are doing oh, yeah. to get to where they have to be. Does that make sense?
2: Yeah, like Ultron is a catalyst in the film, but he's not what the story
0: revolves yes. around. He's a catalyst yeah. for like how far Tony's going over the deep end to protect himself, and protect others, and you know Cap wants to do it another way, and 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 the the, the beginning of those kinds of riffs are are all really deep seated, and and Age of Ultron, again, like from a filmmaking standpoint, has one of the sharper scripts. I think um, that uh, party scene in the beginning is.
1: Fucking, it's one of the best scenes in any Marvel movie, hands yeah, down. Yeah, I agree. Because um, you get to see them out of the costumes and interacting together. And um, just still, just, and you're fine with it, even though they're not, you know, beating up CGI robots or anything like that. It's just entertaining. It's, it's
0: smaller, it's it's more personal, and it's more painful than, than the first
1: Avengers. Um, in a lot of ways. And... He, ha- he did have a lot of balls to juggle. I mean, like, you got to get right down to it. Like, he had demands from the studio. And um, I hope you didn't talk about it, because obviously I did kind of have to do a little uh, mommy work for a second. But, um, you know, he, uh, Joss Whedon, wanted more of that Thor in the uh, the water scene, Um
0: Oh, you know, I think it was the opposite. He wanted more of the farm. Right, and right, they right, right. Megan,
3: yeah. yeah they didn't like choice.
1: Well, I think he said he had wanted to extend the Thor scene, mm-hmm. and they said, "Fine, if you do that, then you're deleting the Hawkeye family shit." And he was like, "Well, yeah, they wanted I'm,
3: him to pick between the two.
1: And uh, he's like, i well," and you kind, of, he he pretty much kind of he kind of screwed over Hawkeye a little bit in the first Avengers, so. I think he made the right decision, even though it was. Some people argue that it was off character for Hawkeye. Hawkeye has
0: like the best line of the entire movie when Scarlet, about- Witch Scarlet Witch yeah. is it's freaking out. Uh-huh. Yeah, That's where Yeah, that is so good. Where she's freaking out in that little hut, and he's like, "I'm a dude with a bow and arrow, and the city's floating." I'm fighting an army robots. Yeah, I'm fighting <laughs> them. None of this makes sense. You got fucking superpowers. I'm just do with the bow and arrow. So you want to come with me? That's cool. If not, just I'm dude with the was, bow and what,
1: arrow. What, what's great about that line, because he said, I'm going out there because it's my job. And like yeah. that's the thing about Hawkeye. He has that family, and it's obviously the most important thing to him in the world. But he will not... He's not going to sacrifice what he does as his job and his honor. And uh, and that's why everyone, they were kind of like leading you that Hawkeye was going to be killed in this. They were leading you in that direction, obviously, and they did that Quicksilver uh, bait and switch. They should have killed him.
0: <laughs> oh, I love Hawkeye. He's like my favorite Avenger. Like I, I, I go on at lengths on this podcast, Chance, about the West Coast Avengers and how much I love them. And I love that WandaVision has given me the chance to talk about the West Coast Avengers so much. I am a fucking... <laughs> super soft spot for Hawkeye and his silly mask and uh my love has uh has only grown to this day. I, I think Jeremy Render is very charming and very funny in these movies. And we got the amazing Linda Cardellini of uh, Freaks and Geeks fame.
2: I've grown to appreciate Hawkeye a little more, but as you can imagine he's probably my least favorite. Hero. And like oh, yeah.
1: it seems to be every even the uh the Russo brothers kind of like sideline him too in the uh, he he got kind of sidelined in the first joss whedon avengers and he got sidelined in the russo brothers infinity war uh obviously they gave him a great arc in and uh, a lot to do probably, probably the yeah, best i definitely
2: appreciated that, the ronin arc more than his regular hawkeye yeah stuff. like
1: he might even he, he had probably the next best arc than tony like after tony stark with his family like because like everyone knew that that was probably where that was going and how they opened it up pre-title card cold open with the bow and arrow like, complete silence, no music, everyone in the fucking theater went, ah, oh. like, they audibly, like, gasped, because they knew exactly what the fuck was going to happen. And that was devastating. And We often go to me being a mother and a parent. Um, God, because, and the way they filmed it was perfectly, too, because she's, he's there with his daughter, and I, I know we're going to jump into phase three, but, but just because we're talking about Hawkeye, they purposely put the family, like, at a picnic table in the middle of, like, Five acres of nothingness, so that like Hawkeye Clint would turn around for a second and and look back, and his family's gone, and it's like
2: no. And you know that they couldn't have just run off; he would see them. So like it, it was like a horror film. The opening to the to game. I was kind of shocked. Renner's performance in that scene's
1: great too, because like he's like kind of like, hey babe, like what's going on, and then like you see his face completely
2: completely. that tonal yeah. shift you see it like right yeah,
0: away
1: right. uh but we're going to phase three my bad sorry no it's fine I, I just
0: don't i wanted to talk about thor stepping on the lego and how fucking that was that
1: and was. like and how uh, <laughs> like the junks the position of seeing the avengers and thor in his cape and cap in his suit and everything and they're in a fucking living room and bumblefuck Arkansas probably sorry Travis <laughs> I think that was like a, uh,
3: a subconscious I'm like, deeply offended it's, uh, I was trying to think of one of those bumblefuck things. looks nothing like that it's more metropolitan than that I, uh, surprisingly <laughs>
2: I didn't know. Yeah, I didn't like, know Travis was from Arkansas. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh. Okay, now when I now now when I think of him, I think of that uh, King of the Hill meme. If those kids could read, they'd be very upset oh, right now.
1: Travis <laughs> might be the smartest person on this podcast. So.
0: Hundred percent, hundred percent. We got our minds in the gutter. Last week we went on a tangent about fisting and all sorts of fucked up shit. And he was not happy about it.
4: <laughs> oh, I no, wanted to have no, a no, whole it. segment where <laughs> I read
0: fan fiction about Bucky kissing fucking Sam this week. Yeah, you like, wanted that like, and we. I Now I'm on pretty. Thank uh-huh. God, I'm so happy I don't have to do that. I right see this as a
1: transgender lesbian. That's gay as fuck. <laughs> no, it was God.
0: super <laughs> duper gay. <laughs> <laughs> but I have read a lot of it. I have read a lot of it on work time. <laughs> oh, God. You are uh, so not on the computer. I'm using my own computer. Yeah, you got to watch the browser stuff, history,
1: so. but you're on a list
0: somewhere. <laughs> I know, 100%. Um, I I Still like Ultron in this movie, though. I, I gotta say, I, I like James Spader's Ultron. I like the look of Ultron. I like the assimilation aspects of Ultron um, that kind of came over from the comics. And, and they were able to do it in a very fun visual way. um where in the comics it's not always the most exciting thing, like, maybe, like, a telephone all of a sudden will have, like, Ultron's voice coming out of it or something like that, like, or, like, a toaster will be Ultron or something kind of stupid in the older ones. Um, I, I, I really do like how they turned the... Again the killing your darlings thing it wasn't hank pym who created ultron it was tony it made sense that it was a tony it made sense that ultron was a little bit of jarvis and a little bit of bruce and a little bit of tony and i, I think the whole development was really cool the fact that
1: they flex the we own pinocchio when we can do the i have that, strings another on one me. where the trailer was just so wonderful and beautiful like, yeah, uh, with
0: that and setup. the dope yeah. Avenger shot was in the first five minutes of the fucking movie. And we didn't like, say
1: that specifically. Oh, thing, one one of like, two. Go I, right I really like the shot uh, from the first one, and we're gonna get that right over with right in the beginning of this.
3: Yeah, with the second one, Travis. Ooh, so much to catch in that one. And uh, before we move on from just talking about Ultron himself, I love that the uh, a few of the minion uh, Ultron's look very much they like had the, they had the yeah.
1: look of it. Yeah. I agree. I
3: did that like the main one was done so that he'd have like the lip movement and be more emotive and all that. Uh and a little yeah, having it
1: go ahead. Sorry.
3: Oh no no just having it in there was a nice nod. Uh, a,
1: a piece of trivia about that, the robot or the Ultron robot that vision catches up to. Uh at the end, the last one to uh for him that he got rid of is the robot that Cap Threw a shield into and threw him off mid sentence. Oh, really? Yeah, a little piece of trivia. But, um, yeah. And, 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 and speaking
3: of, uh, oh, well, go ahead.
1: I was just going to say, um, Spader was uh, Whedon's only choice for Ultron, and I think that, I think he was right in that. Mm-hmm. Um,
2: oh, yeah. Yeah, Spader was that, a great that choice. That voice
1: he has is just hypnotic. There's a word for it, I forget what it is just like a, a it's like a hypnotic calming voice or it's it's actually for all sounds that are like that um like the, those videos of people cutting bars of soap
2: like asmr yes
1: and that's how they that's how a lot of people uh, describe spader's voice and it's true even in like when he's playing robert california in the office like you just you can just listen to that dude read the yellow pages And <laughs> he was a bad guy a mannequin
3: <laughs> yeah oh, i was like we we're going to mention uh Less than zero, like him being the villain in that with Robert yeah, Downey it was Jr.
1: Yeah, Robert Downey Jr. They They're both in yeah, that. Oh, if yeah, you want uh, to talk about um Stanellis stuff, I'll do that. We'll come to our Brett Ellis, uh podcast.
3: But yeah, uh, you mentioned Captain America, and uh, I kind of wanted really to mention it before, but I forgot. Uh, watching Chris Evans like grow into the role from uh, First Avenger into just. With each movie, he gets better and better. And, like, as a very cynical person, like, some of the dialogue that he has to deliver should make me cringe at how uh, naive and hopeful it is or whatever, but it well, just uh, doesn't. It's, at like, this inspirational. Point though,
1: Cap is sort of like he's already completely become disillusioned with S.H.I.E.L.D., so he's, he's on his way. And that talk between him and Tony at the farm, you can already see him going flipping mm-hmm. his uh his ideology
3: well the specific line that i really like in this movie from him is the uh, the bit where he talks about it if we lose we'll lose together uh just the the teamwork and all that uh hmm the yet uh, the teamwork and the action scenes too in this movie speaking of uh i really enjoy like uh getting to see uh, black widow use the the shield a little bit even uh Right, and one of my favorite costumes for her, uh, even though like having a uh, light up, blue lights on a uh, spy suit doesn't make any goddamn sense.
1: But it looks like the chick from Tron. It's cool. So yeah, I- yeah, exactly. <laughs> that kind of brings me to something that I was very eager to talk. Out of all of Phase Two, it's something I want to talk about, and it's, and it's actually something I want to get Chance's uh, opinion on. What did you? And again, I apologize if this was brought up when I was off air for a second. The the romance between Natasha and Bruce. Did we talk about that? What did you think about that chance?
2: Uh, I thought it was pretty unusual and kind of out of left field. I get what they were going for. That kind of like we're both, uh, you know, strangers passing in the night kind of thing. And we're alone and we can relate to each other because we're both monsters deep down inside. You know, I've got red in my ledger. I've got green in my blood kind of bullshit. But uh, it's, uh, it felt really, I mean, I guess "forced" is the word because I I didn't feel it at all before that movie.
1: Yeah, I I don't think it's bad. Of like, people don't give it as much credit. Like they say it, it makes no sense logistically or, or like uh, organically to the story. Like I think uh, not only do I think it makes sense. I think Whedon was already planting the seeds as soon as uh, he was uh, directing the Avengers, and um, I can't remember if I mentioned it in our off-air uh, proto-episode or the prequel episode. Um, the scene between Nita- Natasha... is the one who goes and gets Bruce in the first Avengers, right? Mm-hmm. Um, sure. And they're in Calcutta, and they're talking... Bruce believes that they're talking alone. And, um, you know, he says, what if the other guy says no? And she says, you've been without incident for however long you don't you don't want to break that streak, and he and it, this is actually a uh, it, improvisation by Mark Ruffalo using pieces of the set, but he's sta- sitting next to an old wooden cradle, and he puts his hand on it and kind of rocks a little bit and says the scripted line, "I don't every time get what I want," and he's looking at a, a baby uh, rocker, so meaning like he can have kids, so like and that was an intimate scene between Natasha and Bruce, um, and then they have that scene where he turns and Natasha is almost killed by the Hulk. And we learn in between that Avengers movie and the events of this one, that Natasha has sort of been working with Bruce and, and Hulk and developing sort of that like tamer uh, relationship where she's the one who does the lullaby with him. So now she has the connection with Bruce and she also has that intimate connection with, with Hulk. So I feel like, this was not completely out of left field. And yeah, I agree. I think it's really sweet. Yeah, I, I, I like. I know it's not, it's not in the comics, and like you were talking about before, John, it doesn't have to be because like these, these, this is just like any other new comic run. Like you know, it's, it's, it's its own universe. It's not Earth 616, even though that's what they called it, Spider-Man: Far From Home. But, um, you're you're allowed to play around with these characters and try different things. And I thought that was a really. Cool, and because uh, they obviously went a different direction, where they're maybe planting seeds with Natasha and Clint having being romantically involved, and they gave Clint the family. I think that was great. Uh, the uh, the the logical other person for Natasha how yeah, having the two kids.
3: outsiders. It also led to the uh, scene of Black Widow riding horse back into battle, which yeah. I fucking <laughs> love. It's Hang awesome. on, Spider
1: Monkey.
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's. Uh... Uh,
1: and then of course uh, the Rooster brothers completely abandoned that shit. Too <laughs> sweet. Oh no, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah
0: Well, uh, they had him throw a uh, a, cha- a bench. throw a chair, bench. yeah, or a bench when when she died. So
1: yeah, that. Uh, he that also
2: his, uh, uh, he al- they also had him tell her uh, she looked great when he finally meets her in Infinity
1: War. They, they, there was just so much shit they had to cram, cram in there. <laughs> I, I'll, I'll, yeah, but Daddy Vol yeah, is fucking hot in Endgame. Yeah, with the that's another one of your. <laughs> Uh-huh.
0: Yeah, it, it's a weird thing. I don't get it. I don't know where it comes
1: from, but I can't resist it. No, there's... Well. Some, I you I'm, I'm going to try it and off. save Can it for know? our endgame Phase 3 discussion, because there's, there's a lot of cool uh, scenes that I like. Really Daddy Hulk stuff, yeah, Daddy I agree. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> specifically the one in... Uh, is it Norway or Scotland that they that New Asgard settles in? Mm-hmm. Norway, Norway. where the yeah. scene in... Uh, the, uh, fuck it, I'm already talking about it. When uh, they you know, go get fat Thor and Bruce makes the mistake of saying Thanos' name out loud and so obviously Thor has that reaction and kind of grabs Why'd you say that well, name? He says it very quietly. He says, don't you say that name? And he's pointing at him and actually uh, why am I forgetting his name? Martha. No, the rock guy. Yeah, the rock guy. <laughs> I know the connection. Korg cool. stands up behind Bruce and he's like yeah, we don't say that name. So it's almost like he's getting sort of threatened by two different angles here. And that's where the Hulk personality comes out. You got to watch the scene again. You got to see uh, Mark Ruffalo's face, even though it's CGI or motion capture, looks down at Thor's hand and kind of smirks and grabs it and just yeah. uh, and takes it off of him very purposely and whispers, take your hand off of me. Please take your hand off Please take Please your take hand your off, your off of, off of off and me. And it's like, that was like very threatening. <laughs> like. It- in
0: assembled the the um the making of WandaVision, there's a decent chunk of it that's kind of dedicated to this is what we were setting up, whether it was with I kinda of, you know, holding on a glimpse for too long or kind of having a take of eye contact last a little bit longer than it should. Like we'd been planning this for some time. And like like you're saying, Kira, I think there's a lot of that. Not only with um with Vision and Wanda, in in uh Age of Ultron, but also with uh Natasha and Bruce going back to the first Avengers. You know, absolutely. Like that's the plan. Um, Whedon is a long term. You know, he came from television, he came from comics, he's thinking long-term, he's thinking, you know, multiple arcs, and, and you know, Feige's a producer, he's he's basically a producer meets a showrunner with a billion-dollar budget, um, you know, it's a weird way to think about it, but that's the fucking industry that not only he's in, that he, like, kind of made, you know? um and and just you know hold that little glimpse between you know Vision and Wanda when he picks her up um, from Sokovia and flies her away for just a little bit longer. So maybe a couple years down the road we can turn this into something or have that baby carriage scene and just let it linger a little bit longer. You know, yeah, that, um, so I, we could set it up. That
1: part of, you're right, and that that's part of the documentary I did see, and Elizabeth Olsen specifically referenced that, and I have too. The part where Vision busts out of the the cradle and. She like Side
0: note, biggest applause I've ever seen in a fucking movie theater ever was opening night when Vision busted out of the cradle. I mean, that's a great
1: fucking scene. The whole thing leading up to it, them fighting, Thor busting in and bringing him to life. And what's so great is when he pops out of that cradle, Joss Whedon, he, sa- he says it in the commentary, like, has that shot on Scarlet Witch, on Wanda, and she is like... They have the fan on and her hair is like blown black. Like she literally just mm-hmm. came in her fucking panties and like. Like if it allows, so soon. Yeah, like like, the, 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 He knew where he was going with that
3: 100%. Yeah, uh, with the uh, introduction of Vision, I just love how they introduced his cape, which is not. Uh-oh.
4: He's already a, a gree- weird character. Travis, yeah.
3: Uh, just having him uh, look at Thor and just like I, I fancy that I, I, would like one as well. That's, was it like I fancy uh, that, or
1: like did he think that's how that people just people not Maybe people. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Him.
3: There's no telling. Uh, Such a perfect I mean, way to make that work. And fancy
1: and, uh, mirror shot there too. Did we got yes, yes I know exactly what you're mm-hmm. talking about. We'll go. We'll go to that in a second, Travis. But yeah, talk about that, John. Where that was just, when just the mirror, the mirror shot where he flies out yeah. and he's
0: looking at his reflection in the mm-hmm. in the skyscraper. It's just. It's good filmmaking, it
1: was, it was yeah, it was good filmmaking. Uh, uh, what the hell am I? Cinematography because they they change they change the focus because first he's he's looking at himself in the reflection so he's 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 finding he's seeing that he is a a living being and then it changes the focus to the skyscrapers and he's in this this world like I thought, and it, it, they did they conveyed that without any dialogue whatsoever and without even moving a camera they just changed the focus it's great yeah it's great it's great
3: oh no I was going to say that uh, the Starlet Witch Vision romance was something that uh, is very comic booky and uh, not something I would have thought they'd be able to get away with but they have uh, completely like uh, even down to the kids yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah yeah they
0: double down on it yeah, <laughs> that's uh, for sure
3: uh one thing one person we haven't mentioned yet, uh, Quicksilver. Boner. I actually kind of prefer uh the MCU Quicksilver, uh aesthetically and just in general. Like neither one of the Quicksilvers is all that close to the comic book version. Correct. Uh in so, my yeah, he's opinion. basically
1: just Marvel's Flash, right? Uh God, I mean, he's like, well, no, even with not even with Flash's pe- like uh, yeah.
3: you know he's kind of a dickhead. And not in a, like a, not in like a charming name or, or a Dr. Doom way, like it's, he's just kind of an asshole and, yeah, yeah. Uh, The MCU version I prefer, though, because he's not insanely overpowered.
1: (laughs) Just so I don't want to completely alienate Chance, like I want to say, like stylistically I like, I think I love Fox's Quicksilver, like I love everything about him, he's he's actually my, I I prefer him more, and I might even prefer Evan Peters' portrayal of that, of that version um and i love the way that they visualize his powers in it more, more so days of future past but I, I did like the apocalypse scene as well um but they just seemed like they were trying to go bigger and better um so i'm there but um i don't want him i still don't want him being him in, in the mcu
0: as a uh as an american of mediterranean descent from new york i appreciate anyone with an accent that sounds like they're trying to sell me a hot dog in queens that's what i really like what do you what do you think chance
1: about uh mcu quicksilver since you obviously have your, your your own convictions about where we saw maybe that character in wandavision
2: yeah, I mean, I, at this point, I, I understand that he's not the he's not the Fox's Quicksilver. Even Thank a we were, uh, other we're universe recording, right? version of him. <laughs> yeah, we got that yes. on wax. All
1: right. Yes. Go on. That's not where but, I was going uh, with that. But, but go on.
2: since it since it is the MCU, and they can call back things in ten years and be like, oh, the, he really was Jimmy Woo's. Uh, Indeed, I'll give you that. Now. Hidden witness protection guy. But yeah, obviously they, they just wanted to do some meta bullshit anyway and make a boner joke. Yes, obviously that was really important. The crust West of the highs. story. Uh, I really enjoyed uh, Aaron Taylor Johnson's portrayal of Quicksilver. I think his his uh, sarcastic nature, haha, and his wit kind of go uh, unnoticed, maybe because of how bad his accent is, and. I think it's uh, by bad. You mean really? Great. Oh. No, by by bad. I mean bad, like poorly acted.
1: Well, the two of them cultivated that accent. Actually, yeah, they, well,
3: it's it's a completely uh, accurate uh, Scovian accent. I yeah, don't know there, you can't. You can't. Know, you no one can say about. that.
1: <laughs> no one say yeah. yeah, it isn't.
3: Okay.
2: Well, I'm not. A, I'm not a big fan of Sokovians. You know, I, I hold things against them. They tried oh, to drop I a rock hope we on We don't me. have any Sokovian Stupid, listeners.
1: Woke so- uh, Sokovian yeah. agenda, dude.
2: They don't even have podcasts in Sokovia. <laughs> it's like 1993 there.
1: They're watching I Love Lucy witches. right now.
2: <laughs> yeah, they're just waiting for Stark to come come say hi. Um, yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. I wish they, w- I really wish they would have just killed
3: Hawkeye and left Quicksilver <laughs> oh, alive. <good> Lord. <laughs> well, we barely got any Quicksilver, and I would have liked more. But uh, yeah.
2: yeah, I don't. I just don't like the fact that they brought him in just to get rid of him. And
1: like, how does how does his powers
2: work though?
1: Because I, I'm guessing because it's a high powered machine gun that has you know higher fps than uh another gun i don't know or the higher caliber of ammunition but why was quicksilver not able to just move the yeah. move yeah. those bullets? i think
3: his reflexes aren't as fast as like the the fox version because you saw you him in that mjolnir on? scene like he yeah, yeah that's what i was about quick. to bring up is like he snatched it up and he wasn't able to react quick enough yeah, like let it go. Actually,
1: uh, there's two. There's two actual bullet scenes in this movie where he. <laughs>
3: yeah, there's the scenes
2: where the bullet comes from the ground and goes past his face. It's barely correct. moving.
1: but then again, he also had and barely had time to read. Maybe he's just an idiot. Yeah.
2: <laughs> well, I, yeah, he's an idiot because I, what he did was he stood in front of the bullets and took them with his body instead of getting <laughs> those assholes out of the correct, way. Correct,
1: he should have. What I mean, we needed that part, and I liked it for what it was. But like, if you think about it for I admit, too long.
2: But, then I hated the fact that he said, you didn't see that coming as he's
3: dying. <laughs> yeah, I can understand that. That is just one of the moments where humor steps on a serious moment. Uh,
2: yeah, I mean, like, no one's going to say that when they're literally about to die.
1: You know, it's funny, there's a great deleted scene, not even a deleted scene, it's an outtake, um, where it's, you know, how Hawkeye brings him onto the, uh, the little ferry ship that's going to the helicarrier, and he's on the ground, yeah. and Hawkeye's sprawled across some seats. And uh, yep. the outtake is like, I think Aaron Taylor Johnson breathed or move by accident. Um, and uh, so Hawkeye, uh, Jeremy Renner reaches over and suffocates him. <laughs> like he's, he's killed Hawkeye. Like, is there any, like, I know there's a couple more things to talk about with, with age of Ultron, especially sort of like, you know, it, 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 it sort of crammed in shoehorn the, uh, the infinity saga. A little bit? Or well,
0: pur- that was Weathen's baby. Mm-hmm. Um, that was Weathen's whole deal. Was He had you know, no not, intentions
1: of making it the Infinity side. Not
0: saga. yet. Not yet. Um, he did want to use um, Thanos eventually. It was all his idea to use him to begin with. And that was
3: all Weathen from the beginning, the Thanos thing. There is one small thing that we haven't talked about what yet. What
1: is that? I have a couple things too, but go on, Travis.
3: Andy Serkis, as tall. Oh, uh, the, good point. That's a great actor, mm-hmm. and I, I feel like he's another example of Marvel uh, underutilizing an actor. I remember when role. just
0: the notion of them saying Wakanda was like so huge? Yeah, I, I kind of
3: don't like oh, in yeah. hindsight that uh, that Mark Ruffalo mispronounces it. I think Walk-a-na-na. he would fucking know it. <laughs> it's not yeah, they, uh, like, like a hidden sport, country, but
1: also stupid, like. They, they and they they have showcased that a lot. I think it's because he's socially awkward. Oh uh, um, yeah.
2: And I'm I'm okay with it more because they kind of make it a point that Wakanda's like thought of as like this backwater tiny Correct. little place
1: no one knows anything about. And he's not a fucking geographer. He's he's like what, what what's his what's his specialty? What kind of science is he yeah? Uh, He's uh, biomechanics apparently, okay. but um, <laughs> obviously radiation yeah. doesn't. We have like seven yeah. PhDs. He's hanging up or in something? fucking high school classrooms. Dammit Jim, I'm not a doctor. <laughs> I'm a doctor. <laughs> David Jim, I'm not a geographer. I'm a doctor. Yeah, um, that look, I didn't want to get off Travis bringing up Claw because um, I I liked his performance here. I think he was a little bit too much. He was more of a caricature in Black Panther. I think he was great in Black Panther, and I hate that they killed him. But um. I don't know it just he seemed a bit more serious and and uh more of a, a legitimate threat and not such a clown in, in this one, even though he had his uh cuttlefish uh monologue cuttlefish. Um, just Andy Serkis is great I'll, like he he's great in everything he does. He's directing Venom too. he's also Alfred and he's also
0: Alfred. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm really excited for Venom too. Sorry, to I, I like my Venom. Tangent. I, I love Venom. Was, I think it's it, so. It
1: funny. It took me by surprise. I wasn't expecting to enjoy it at all. And uh, oh like god, it's so funny.
2: It. Hey John, I'm going to drop some knowledge on you. You ready? Sure. Andy Circus. Plays Gollum in the Lord of the Rings. Get the Rings. fuck no, out of here! You
0: know. I'm a huge, I'm a huge Lord of the Rings guy. It was before you got in here. I was just talking about how I dragged a poor woman to go see Return of the King in the movie theaters, and it ended up being a five hour. Was long he just experience. the voice, or did he have
1: yeah. anything to do with like motion capture? Is he like he, no, has he, has he anything, Does he have anything to do with that? I, yeah, I, I he mean, crawled I'm around. being facetious. Yeah, I knew, I knew you were
2: a big fan, so I was like, let me, let me throw this little uh, MCU humor in there. <laughs>
1: Um, That's what we do here at MCU Beyond Infinity Chance. That's what we do. So that that <laughs> scene's great with Claw, and in that whole, uh, that ship and, you know, a lot, of, a lot of quips and clever writing I liked in that scene, you know, with the the omelet and all that. And uh, this, you know, the bone dry sense of humor Ultron saying, I want to, you know, I wanted to tell you my big evil plan and all that. But that kind of leads into <laughs> one of the more favorite action set pieces of, of Ultron uh the, the Hulk buster Hulk fight. Um and yes. you know they om- they wanted and I wish I really don't know why they did not end up going through with this, but they were going to make um Bewitched Hulk grey and not green. Um oh. as a little throwback and hint. I thought that would have been really cool. I don't know why they didn't do that. What do you guys think?
3: Oh I, I didn't realize that uh, that would have been a fun uh, way to get it in there without having a it'd be a a permanent, uh, like a full length uh, thing. There.
0: <laughs>
3: I like how
0: they called uh, the Hulkbuster suit Veronica.
1: Um, you got it right. Yeah, I
0: got it. I, I, I was.
1: I researched it. I didn't come come to that myself, but
0: I've been reading Life with Archie. I was a closeted Archie reader for about 20 years. And now I'm like, finally like, I just fucking, I've been reading Archie for like 20 years. I I really like Archie comics. I've been keeping up. I've legitimately been keeping up with Archie for about 20 years. And it's like, it's getting like good now. So, like, I'm kind of cool about it. But I did like the little nod to Betty Ross because I feel like Betty Ross is kind of forgotten in Marvel. Like, The Incredible Hulk, they, you know, you were talking about how some of your least favorite Marvel films, Chance, like, it, The Incredible Hulk is, is bottom of the fucking They
1: threw it for a bone, me. though, and brought back uh, Thaddeus Thunderbolt Ross, though. And I, I appreciated that. They
2: did. I did, too. And they're bringing back Abomination yeah. Tim Roth. I think and that, I, that, that's
1: great. They were, they actually, uh, glad you brought that up chance Uh, abomination was supposed to be a secondary villain in early drafts of the script of this and uh, oh really yeah yeah so
0: Hmm. i mean i love william hurt like broadcast news is you know a top five all-time movie for me i think he's he's the best so any any opportunity to bring back you
1: know so there's probably still a bunch to talk about with ultron but john has made a good point that we're at three and a half hours already right now, and we still have Ant Man and our closer to talk about. So
0: we do, we do have Ant Man to to talk about, um, which I mean we can kind of brush on briefly. Yeah, I think that's a good um, idea
1: because it's almost is, it's almost Phase Three. You know what I mean? Like it was it is an epilogue. It
0: really is. It really is, and I think there's. I love the Ant-Man film and I love the Ant-Man franchise and I'm hoping that with Mania, we're going to have some justice kind of served to the Ant-Man franchise in terms of getting it out in the spotlight. I feel like they've kind of like been marginalized and gotten like the short end of the stick in terms of release dates and marketing. But Scott was kind of, he was the audience surrogate for Endgame in my opinion. He's kind of the main character in that movie, in my opinion, Um, even though he didn't have like the biggest arc in the MCU, he kind of did in that film. Um, And I think quantum mania is going to get like a full on, like, here's the next fucking Marvel movie. Like it's, they're going to be very proud and championing championing of that movie when it's time for it to be released. Um, They they did not do that with the first Ant-Man film. And I think a lot of that had to do with it kind of, not not going the way they wanted it to and man wasn't it supposed to be released in the first phase initially
2: i don't think the first phase but i remember edgar wright was supposed to do it yeah and it was supposed to be released like in 2014 originally. yep
0: i was at the comic-con where edgar wright debuted that footage um for the uh for you know his his um his uh concept footage basically for ant-man and we were all very very sold and the audience was going nuts and and again much like with patty jenkins um creative differences whether he got fired or told to leave you gotta play ball you got, gotta play ball or get out and i think he was just there was a bit too much or tourship there
1: yep, i'm sure that's what it was
0: yeah absolutely and, and every Good ups on Edgar Wright because he's the best, and and you know he makes like the best movies. But, um, it's it's hard to think like what would have been. Uh, I'm sure the cast would have been the same, and Edgar Wright's still making making checks off of Ant Man because he got a story by and a writing credit. So there's still a lot of Edgar Wright in that DNA. Um, you know he wrote it with Adam McKay, who we brought up last week is someone who we would like to see eventually helm an MCU film. He's always kind of encircling one. Yeah, he did Spotlight, right? He did Spotlight. He did Vice. He did The Big Short. Um, yeah, I could, I could definitely see him do something. He's also done Anchorman. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, and like Ricky Bobby, you know? Um, he's, a, he's a versatile guy. And just, you know, the cast of Ant-Man is... is incredibly charming it's a very by the numbers origin movie but it's very hard to not be in love with uh paul rudd at the end of a paul rudd vehicle if you know what I even mean. even by
1: the first scene like he's just so he just oozes charming and just lovableness mm-hmm. um he's he's just so goofy in every in every great way and i can't wait mm-hmm. to i can't wait to talk about him in, in ant-man and the wasp because I, I think uh, I, I like even though he's they kind of dumbed him down a little bit because let's not forget he's uh, he's an electrical engineer, right? With a master's degree. Yes. Yeah. So, yes. Yeah. So, I mean, Scott Lang is kind of a he's a newer Marvel character. Um, yeah, well, I yeah. I wanted to say you know that. that did, what did you think? How did you react when you found out it was going to be Scott Lang and not Hank Pym?
0: I think it was the good choice. I do too. Uh, Hank Pym's Bam, got a troubled history of like domestic abuse
1: <laughs> and being a. Uh, They're never being well, they could have. They could have obviously. Yeah. And I, I mean, Not I think I think wife, they, they made him curmudgeonly and abrasive enough. At least they kind of kept that um aspect of the character. Even like in his, you know, seventy scene in Endgame, he's a fucking dick. Like, when Steve's telling him that, like, something's with the package, he's like, "We'll bring it up. And he's like, I'm sorry. I thought that was your job. Like, he's a fucking dickhead.
0: I mean, Hope Van Dyne is a completely new character. That is correct. Uh, what were they doing with that wig? Yo, know, Lily is such a smoke show. And, like, I was a lost guy. And... I I, I love I, I love that actress, um, but that little pixie haircut definitely bugged. me. Well, that was what you know, J- wasn't um, that Janet's
1: haircut in the original comics? It was. There was a big
0: uh, there was a big fan casting in my head for like Rashida Jones as Janet someday or something along those lines. You know, someone who could pull off well, that kind of like mount.
1: They were saying maybe. Uh, Catherine Zeta-Jones, because maybe she didn't age in the quantum realm, and I thought that was actually a pretty cool idea, but um... Yeah, Michelle Pfeiffer looks amazing. Yeah, though, and there's... So, um, I mean, we'll get to Clearly that. there's a Banana Republic in the quantum realm somewhere, because mm-hmm. she's wearing, like, a shawl, I, I, and...
0: I, I'm happy, too, for Peyton Reed. Um, he was originally going to make the Fantastic Four movie that Tim Story ended up making, um, but he had gotten fired for, um creative differences good much like you know, yeah good i mean it worked out better for him he bring it on say what you will it's, it's a fucking charming fun comedy um he had a pretty good career i think he made those barbershop movies which are pretty funny um the original uh peyton reed fantastic four script too was written by Peyton Reed and Mark Frost who co-created Twin Peaks
1: with David Lynch and I would have loved to have seen (laughs) what that was. Um, And much like Far From Home it was like a good after dinner mint from phase two um, because it was just have fun and enjoy this little movie with, you know, somewhat repercussions with Hydra getting that technology but um, nothing crazy like, you know, a meteor ending, ending the earth. No, um, tone it down, smaller scale. And was, like a nice was, little, literally little heist movie. And like, obviously his friends are, you know, they, they they stole every scene that they were in, especially Lewis, uh, what's his name? Michael Pina who yeah. is just amazing. If you've never seen um, Crash, for the love of God, go out and watch that movie. He'll have you crying. Uh, you are crazy. You're the movie that solved racism. That's like, no, but that, that scene with him and his daughter, <laughs> like, fuck you if no, you don't know, cry I during know. that scene. Um, but uh, he's just, uh, any any anything that he plays is great. So, uh, and, yeah, and Lewis he's is just- He's in
3: Watch, too, which is a pretty good movie.
1: Another movie where Michael Pena will make you cry and cheer. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
3: it continues the trend of marvel getting decent child actors. uh i I generally hate children in film but they haven't like uh made me cringe in any of the marvel flicks really
1: well poor cassie's been recast three times now
3: (laughs) yeah yeah i feel bad for that last girl i could see that uh, yeah uh, yeah it happens
1: yeah it does happen and uh i like that uh Paul or Scott Lang addresses my uh, issue with uh, all of phase two when he says the first thing that they should do is call in the Avengers. <laughs> <laughs> but I digress.
2: One thing I want to say about Ant-Man is uh, that's the only MCU film I did not watch in theaters. Really? I had no interest in it. Yeah. I, I just, come on Ant-Man. I mean, as someone who's not a comic Even book this, reader. At this someone point who...
1: you weren't like, you pretty much got to get on board with whatever they're going to put out.
2: Yeah, because even at that point it was like uh oh this is just another earth-based powerless suit guy. He's not as cool as Iron Man. He's not as intimidating or strong as Captain America. So this I thought this was going to be the worst.
1: A lot of people did.
2: Film that they had made and I was surprised by it. I watched it. I probably watched it a year later, like maybe around Doctor Strange time, November 2016. Speaking of which, that was not
1: by choice the only MC movie I did not see in the movie theater, unfortunately. The, the one you really should have seen in the movie theater, I, I didn't get to see it. Whatever.
2: Yeah, but uh, it, it's a good film. It's perfectly uh, fine. It's nothing like I'm blown away by, but it was good. Ant-Man The Lost was better. And then, of course, Endgame was Scott Lang's best arc. And I expect Mania to be pretty big for an Ant-Man film. Well, I mean, film. if
1: Kang's going to be in it, uh, you should hope. Kang yeah. the
2: Conqueror. I think, But I think relying on Kang to drive it is going to be difficult because that's a very... Like, his importance in the comic is huge, but his importance to the average fan is very small.
0: I mean, so was Thanos. You know, Th- like, no one knew who Thanos was except for comic book guys you know and Kang is a bigger Avengers villain in my opinion as somebody who's you know read Avengers comics for so long
1: like I pointed out in the prequel episode those theater goers when I saw Avengers were most assuredly uh letting their (coughs) companions know that that was um Hellboy in the end credits yeah yeah
2: that would have been dope oh I remember one of the uh the ones I saw a reaction it's on YouTube still I think Where they show the end credit scene for First Avengers, and you can hear a guy ask his friend, "Is that
1: Purple Hulk?" Uh. God bless him. Um. I was like,
0: I was like educating people in the in the lobby about
1: who Thanos was, and no one was having it. I was like screaming
0: about it, but
1: I think I wasn't connecting his name. Like, I I I was like, oh, what the fuck? Who's that guy again? Because again, like, I'm even guilty of having to go back and look stuff up again, even though I know the caliber of what thanos was but it just cosmic stuff wasn't really my thing when i was reading comics so
0: but now he's a household name he's he is, pretty much yeah. grumpy grimace we all know who he is yeah. um
2: yeah i mean he's this generation's dark Vader. yeah everyone knows who thanos yeah. is and can quote him
0: absolutely absolutely um if you want to quote thanos and and if you want to uh Uh, Pretty much talk about anything fucking Marvel related. uh, Phase two, phase three, the future. Go to the MCU Beyond Infinity Facebook group page. Um, If you're there once a week, I will be posting my personal cell phone number. Please do not bother me unless you are calling in for a listener question. Um, You can also email us at MCU Beyond Infinity Podcast at gmail.com. We will read it on air and we will play your voicemail that you send me um, on the air and take any listener questions. If you do make it to air, I will send you a free comic book, no matter where you live in the continental United States chance. I did not have this when you let your uh, question on the air. So I, I do actually have to talk to you after this episode, but, um, I'd I'd rather not talk to you. Perfect. Perfect. Um, I I was hoping that's what you were going (laughs) to say. But, um, this week, my, my buddy, um, did did chance get to plug
1: his, uh, his, his Facebook group. I want to make sure that happened. you yeah. my momentum, buddy. Listen. <laughs> I was on a roll. I was uh, trying to wrap it up. <laughs> I know, but we we have a guest on, and you're talking about our Facebook group. I, want to make- I plugged it. Yeah, I yeah.
0: plugged it. I plugged it twice.
2: <laughs> yeah, he, he, he got me before it all started, but I'll say it's uh, I don't run a uh, Marvel group of any significance, but I do have a pretty large Star Wars group. We have about 20,000 members on Facebook you can come check it out at uh star wars the last fan group we uh used to be the Jedi council group before that went under and um yeah it's a lot of fun very positive we're not here for your bullshit count me and up. uh yeah, just yeah yeah it's not it's it's not a group where I'm gonna let a lot of stupid <sighs> debates go down sorry but it is a uh, it, it is a lot of fun if you just want to have uh Long and nerdy discussions about Star Wars. But this is MCU, so
0: John, thanks, buddy. No, it's all good. It's all good. I was on a roll and then we cut it short, but it's all good. Uh, my friend John. Where um, were you we recording? Yeah, we've been recording the whole time. I don't know if I'm recording, by the way, because uh, I don't see a line, but I was going to save that for the end. Um, I am going to play John's voicemail. Are you guys ready? Uh, definitely. Alrighty. ready Ready. <laughs> Hey guys, what's going on? Thanks for having me on the show. Uh, I got a quick theory question for you. Um, So here it is. In Avengers Infinity War, half the population gets dusted with the power of the Infinity Gauntlet. However, technically still alive, the dusted are able to return to the living. Now my question is, if the dusted were still alive in some sort of way, since, since Thanos was dusted by Iron Man, does that mean that Thanos is somehow able to return as well? What do you guys think? So shout out to the guy who left this voicemail. This is my friend, John. Um, I go to see all of the Avenger and Marvel movies with this guy in the movie theaters. Um, he called up. I picked up. Um, didn't want to talk. Wanted to leave a voicemail. I <laughs> don't hung up on him i let him leave the voicemail but um this is an experience that i have sorely i'm sure we all have been sorely kind of missing uh over the past uh year or so since uh the world kind of ended in 2020 i am so looking forward to going to the theaters to see a fucking marvel movie with my buddy john well so. I,
1: I i was gonna ask me and you gotta go see wandavision together right
0: yeah, yeah, we gotta go see one of these, man. We got well, Black Widow. Yeah, we got that one. that's what I meant. I mean, Black Widow, not one. Yes, Widow. come scoop me. We'll do a live reaction in the fucking car. That would be awesome. Yeah, that would be awesome. Well, John was probably gonna have to go too. Oh, yeah, of course. I do well, um, My wife um, might so, have to come too. <laughs> oh my god! All right, so we're making it a party. What John is asking is basically: Do you guys think Thanos is coming back? Um, do you think that it's going to be as a result of? Um, you know the the snapping. Um, I I think that there is a future for Thanos in the MCU. Um, I was kind of bummed that Endgame didn't get into some of the fun stuff that the Infinity Gauntlet comics got into, where these people who did get snapped away like were living a life inside of like a reality inside of the Soul Gem, and I think it would be cool, like. In the future, if we explored, like, what happened to these people when they got snapped? Did, did they live a life? Did they just disappear and reappear? Like, I, I, I'm I, very curious for that five-year gap of characters like Peter Parker and,
1: uh, you know, and, and, and Black Panther. I think there's a multiple multitude of ways that he can come back, whether that be flashbacks. Um, I think... We've already seen that he, he it's it's feasible for him to come back, but they would have to go get the Infinity of Stones from the Quantum Realm again, at least to bring him back in the MCU proper. Unless they just brought did exactly what happened in Endgame and brought back another multiverse Thanos, because uh, if people remember, that's the two thousand six two thousand fourteen Thanos from the Power Stone and Soul Stone world or uh, reality that they got those from that came into the MCU reality that uh, that Tony wished away. So, using the Quantum Realm pretty much opens up, you know, if they want to go back using the Quantum Realm, that that's a way. Uh, if they bring the Infinity Stones back and he's snapping their di- uh, existence again, that's a way. Or just, you know, even the Eternals could maybe show a younger Thanos. Um, or any- I think the Eternals is 100% going to bring us Thanos. Uh, I mean, again, though, what we've talked about is... Uh, you, you don't want to bring those characters back too soon and just completely. Yeah.
2: I don't think he'll be in it. I think that's uh doctor strange in one division talk. Probably. You don't <laughs> think that there's going to be some sort of, I, I'm sure though he'll be mentioned or referenced, but I don't think we will see. I think see if we see Thanos him, if Eternals. we see
1: him, it'll be flashback and it probably won't even be Josh Brolin. he will probably be a kid.
0: I think it'll be a flashback. Um, the Great Cataclysm is is an event that I think we're going to see in the Eternals movie because it's so much of their origin. It's like when um you know the the celestials basically like created like man, the deviants and the eternals, and then they left and when they came back, like the eternals were like kind of slacking off, and the deviants had like enslaved mankind and fucking It involves like the fall of Atlantis and by the end of it the Eternals are so bummed out that they bounce and they go and live on uh Saturn's moon of uh Titan and and that's you know where Thanos came from and you know there is this correlation to Thanos's origins with the Eternals so I think it would be kind of just like an easy way to like acknowledge him being part of it in some way shape or form in the fall of Titan in general does that make sense sure
2: I think my only problem with that is it's a it's a large gap between showing the origin stories of the Eternals to getting to Thanos.
1: Agreed. Agreed. I agree. Sequel or spin Also, a no-brainer would be if they're going to ever give us Richard Rider's origin. Um,
4: Dick Rider? Boner.
1: <laughs> <laughs> the no-brainer way is to just show the attack on Xandar that got him the uh, powers hmm. done. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome.
3: <laughs> Travis, what do you think? Oh, yeah. yeah. I'm sure we'll see him again at some point. I'm hoping it's not too soon. Uh, and I don't imagine we'll be in another big role. Uh, it'll be like a flashback or something. There's, he's just too big of a character to never see again. Especially whenever these Saint movies are going to go on forever. Yeah, they're going to go on Even long forever. after they stop being good and they're just... <laughs> yeah. Hey, hey, you shut you shut that shit up.
0: <laughs> we got a little bit of news this week. You guys wanna do it?
1: Yeah, I just feel sure. bad. You're gonna be it's an hour is gonna be three o'clock in the morning. I feel terrible.
0: Only real Marvel news that we got this week are those, and I just want to talk about it because I've seen some man babies complain about it, and then I'm so stoked by it. But Natalie Portman is fucking jacked, right? Did you guys see these?
1: I pictures? saw one still. I gotta, I gotta look yep. at uh, a few more of them. She's fucking yoked. Good for
2: her. She's yeah. She's she's big. Apparently though, if you go back and look at some pictures of other films she's done, she's been pretty cut before. Cut,
1: but she weighs so like hundred and ten pounds soaking wet.
2: Well, yeah, I mean, but she's even now she's like what one twenty, even if she's, mm. you know, kind of feeling herself. <laughs> but I like that she's put a, put some uh, effort into not looking like a twig, trying to carry Mjolnir, which she inevitably will in Love and Thunder.
1: Um, yeah, I gotta take a. I gotta. I mean, I think I just saw her arms. Is that. Is this like the.
3: Yeah, it's, that's was about the it. The stance that she was in. It's just very, uh. Yeah. Looking. Yeah, it's. I mean, Travis, like, you and
0: I are huge fans of the Jason Aaron Thor run.
3: It's, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm excited to see her, uh, get to play that character. I do kind of hope they give her her own name. I've. My. Biggest complaint with the Jason and Thor run is that they do this color Thor. It's weird. It's not like Captain America where it's just a title. It's literally the guy's fucking name. <laughs> yeah, that's always been like the weirdest thing with like Eric Matheson. Her adopting the, uh, the old English or whatever to speak, these and those and all that. But mm-hmm. uh, MCU Thor doesn't do that anyway, so it's a non-issue. He's
1: acclimated for the most part. Yeah, he's just a big dumb bro i love it i love it so much oh, it's great oh, <laughs> the the,
0: the other big news is um and, and i'm sure you know we're gonna be a huge part of this next week but the first reviews for um falcon winter soldier are very very solid i guess um you know uh pre screeners have gone out to a bunch of reviewers and youtubers and it it sounds wonderful um they are saying it's it's the right amount of you know mcu level action um you know not television 24 style action but like movie quality special effects and choreography and filmmaking um made for the small screen um with just the right amount of heart and at the end of the day they're saying it's going to be a bunch of character pieces which it sounds perfect right like it it sounds exactly like what we all signed up for and we all are expecting and we all are coming to expect of of these mcu properties just kind of like not
1: failing right it's crazy it's weird because like i said like i was not excited about winter soldier going in because of first avenger and was obviously wrong about that but i feel like mentally i'm i'm there again where i'm not as excited for Falcon Winter Soldier as I was for WandaVision. And I'm sure I'm going to be proven wrong, but I got to get there first. I don't know why. I don't know what it is. It's got to reel me in first.
3: I'm excited for the, uh, the buddy dynamic between, uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier, I am eager to see both of those actors, get, uh, equal billing as the lead, uh, and ultimately in bed, right? Of course, of course, it's definitely going to
0: happen. Bucky is a sneaky little devil who loves sneaking kisses. That's all I'm saying. So.
2: <laughs> I'm uh, I'm definitely looking forward to it. I'm to the point now where I look forward to everything in the MCU. So it's not, I'm not having 2015 issues anymore. And uh, I just kind of, you know, I accept everything for what it is, not what I wish it was or want it to be. So I'm just ready for a kind of fun maybe surprisingly mysterious or uh something that you can theorize on but if it's not and it's just some action buddy cop lethal weapon mcu shit then let's just do that and that's fine too
0: i i'm hoping that these longer form um this longer format is going to lead for you know longer discussions um not only because we have a podcast where we have long discussions about uh mcu related things but it's able to cover more ground than you would be able to cover in a two hour movie um just throughout wandavision we covered what it is and what it means to grieve and what it means to project grief onto others and what it means to you know be a mother or a a parent um and you normally wouldn't get that level of discussion and discourse from something that's only a two hour movie. Um, I'm hoping to get some some big themes out of um, this this uh, Falcon Winter Soldier film, especially in the with, with endgame and you know in the rearview mirror and Captain America in the rearview mirror, uh, what it means to be a symbol, um, what it means to be a nationalist. Um, what it means to carry on a mantle um what it means to to lose somebody I, I hope that these are things that we're going to be able to discuss um you know relatively seriously for an extended period of time that this show is going to be able to um you know deliver on on the, that kind of promise um that that it's you know been given us for for however long we've been getting Yeah, I, th- I
1: think the aspect that I'm looking forward to more than even like Zemo and even the dynamic between them is we're not really seeing much of Russell's US agent in the promotion material. And I want to see what they're going to do with that character. Like it, it, Jason addressed it like um, in the scene that we do see of him running out to the football stadium. He says he doesn't think that scene's going to play out too well. He thinks that you know people are going to realize it's not steve rogers captain america and start maybe booing him or something and i want to see if he's going to have like a chip on his shoulder because i love what's his name wyatt russell kurt russell's son yes yeah that's true i I love him as an actor uh he he he's good comedic timing so i imagine that they're going to utilize that uh perhaps in him having a chip on his shoulder um and living in the shadow of steve rogers and nobody you know accepting him uh what do you guys think Think I think it's you. really
3: interesting how they are kind of hiding him in the trailers. We haven't... We've seen a, everyone else pretty much uh, in action somewhat, uh, except for him. They haven't really even given us a straightforward shot of him. Correct. Uh, it's Does it odd.
1: his odd. That's what I want
3: to know. Are they just trying to trick people into thinking that's Chris Evans? That Matt- <laughs>
1: <laughs> Maybe. It just
2: is. I, I'm real curious the controversy this series is going to create uh. and... Because I, I've heard a lot of, uh, I'm sure y'all have too, rumors that it's going to deal with a lot of r- racial issues and stuff like that. And I expect there's going to be backlash from a certain subsect of the fandom hmm. who there's always backlash with when it's, you know, not a, not a straight white male. Yeah, I um, go ahead. Yeah. No, that, that was pretty much it. Just I'm, I'm curious how far idiots will go when you know, they mention the fact that they races are treated a little differently.
3: Yeah. With uh with all the diversity in the coming MCU slate, that's the thing I'm looking forward to least, is interacting with the more toxic side of uh the fan base.
1: Oh, I go after them. That's my bread and butter yeah. right there. <laughs> and I cry about <laughs> it when they're mean to me. Yeah, like Miss
0: Marvel's obviously gonna bring up, you know, topics. All that the assholes, yeah. Yeah, and that's gonna come with it, and X Men is gonna do the same, and
2: and Eternals are gonna have the first openly gay male, male black character, most likely. Yeah,
0: absolutely. And that you know people are gonna lose their shit over that for a week. <laughs> yeah, but it, it's it's not necessary. And again, the the U.S. Agent thing, um, it's not just having the shield and having the look. It's the man who does it. And whether that's Falcon or Bucky at the end of the day, I think it's Falcon probably represents it a little bit more. The guy's, you know, the character of Sam Wilson is, is literal fucking salt of the earth in these movies. He's like the best dude ever. Um, Does he I, get I super think...
1: soldier serum in this? Cause he's throwing that thing into the trunk of a tree.
0: Yeah, I know. I'm, I'm stoked to, uh...
1: it
2: seems like something's going on, but they, they seem to do that with a lot of these average human characters. They're, you know, one movie they're, barely doing anything unique in the next film, you're like jumping 400 feet and you're okay somehow. And just in the trailer for Falcon and Winter Soldier, when he is diving with his wings and bounces off that rock, like that would break every bone in his leg.
0: The action looks fucking sick though. It looks, oh yeah. It looks, it looks like a movie. It looks like a
1: movie. You can answer this offline, John, but I, I I'm not familiar with uh, the personality of us agents. So, is he like douchey? Like he's just nothing. He's
0: like nothing. You
1: know what I mean? It's just nothing.
0: It's, you know what he's I'm hoping they kind
3: of a, do uh, with him a little bit. He's more of a go ahead, with, Travis. Uh, just more of an author- authoritarian. Uh, yep.
2: I'm kind of hoping they they make him like Homelander a little bit. I,
3: I see, I could see that. that. I just yeah. with Wyatt
1: Russell playing him, I feel like he's gonna be like a doofy pawn.
3: Yeah, he's know. not like a bad guy. He's just uh. Captain America will go against the government if he feels it's wrong. Or he could could appear
1: like very lovable and an actual genuine scene. He's kind of the straw man. (laughs) People would like him as a replacement of Captain America, but he's actually really, like you said, Mm -hmm. like a Homelander type of situation.
3: I'm hoping uh, like of all the replacement caps. I think uh, Sam Wilson has the best Captain America uniform. I like the white and all that. Oh yeah. He's fucking sweet.
0: (laughs) yeah it's fucking sweet though that subsect of nerds who fucking we're assuming are gonna bitch bitched about that too oh mm -hmm. my god shocker! Uh, yeah big shocker chance it was fucking awesome to have you on here man we're gonna have you on here again for sure
2: yeah this has definitely definitely been a a lot of fun for me you know i'm a huge MCU fan MCU nerd so the time went by real quick I know that's why oh, I didn't yeah. even realize it was
1: four hours and John so help me god you I better not find out you stayed up and started fucking
0: <laughs> <laughs> time will tell time will tell I mean for the for, instead of staying up and, the, and editing the podcast we should all you know stay up and check out uh Chance's uh Star Wars um Facebook page or check out he's MCU. never
3: mentioned before it's at all, at all. Of he's us. not mentioned is a
1: true yeah. I
0: don't
2: Mm-hmm. I don't like to. I don't like to talk about my twenty thousand. <laughs> I didn't
0: know about it. I mean, we got like a seventy-five person group uh, MCU beyond the fan podcast. You
1: dropped that twenty grand number, and I'm like, well, if we should be on your fucking show, ass. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, I am getting sleepy. I think it's a good time for us great, to sign off. I, I cannot Definitely. wait for next week. I cannot wait for Winter Soldier sneaking some kisses with Sam Wilson, and I can't wait to see you guys <laughs> again. Um So we can talk about it. I'm really stoked. Thank you again, Chance. Thank you,
1: Chance. Great
0: episode. Yes, sir. Appreciate it. Appreciate all 'all. y'all. Bye, guys. Night.